The D and Davis Show. D and Davis Show. It means it's time to get your sports on. Join us. We appreciate you joining us. Uh, we're definitely going to do a lot. We got NFL chatter with uh, the one and the only Hub Arkish, uh, editor, executive editor at Pro Football Weekly, is going to join us. And then a little bit later, we're going to have Michael Lee, senior writer for the um, NBA for the Athletic, is going to join us to talk about the playoffs. Unfortunately, we're going to talk about these Bulls and the same with Hub. It's not unfortunate. We're going to talk about the Bears and what the Bears are going to do necessarily in the draft. And of course, you're going to get your up for grabs, Ryan Bukovetsky's key segments to this show. Yes. And people only listen to this show for that segment I hear in the streets. That's what I'm starting to hear when I'm walking through. Like, more I've been hearing Ryan, rumors, too. More I've been Ryan. Uh, riding my bike. They're like, up for grabs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got to pull over for this. I'm Kenneth Davis. You heard Ryan, but the next voice you hear is the chocolate one himself. His name is. D, what's going on, everybody? Hey, Demond Sproul right here. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. You can find the show at D and Davis The Flip on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. Also, Spotify, going through War on Media, and YouTube as well. Simply search for D and Davis Show. Man, we got everywhere out here. Uh, let's see. D and Davis Show. Uh, so Facebook.com, Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. There you go. You want to hit us up the old school way, email D and Davis Show at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter at Demons1, D-E-M-O-N-Z-E-1. Ken is on Twitter at That's Davis. Ryan Bukovsky, executive producer of the D and Davis Show and D and Davis The Flip. He's on Twitter at Ryan B. Ski. And I'm a man hanging out here with the fresh little windbreaker, Puma windbreaker. All right. That we want Mr. Guy, you can follow Guy on Twitter at PayTheGuy. Can't say Guy Stevenson? Oh, Guy Stevenson. I just called him. Guy name. Stevens. Yeah, nah. Is it Stevenson's or Stevens? Stevenson. Like, Look, like the high school. Guy Stevenson. That's his father's name. PayTheGuy. At PayTheGuy. There you go. <laughs> As you already know, luckily we get to record out of 6 7 to score. Shout out to Mitch. Yes, yes. Uh, if, hopefully you've seen it, but you can watch it again. Uh, check out, you know, our former executive producer, but still one of the main cogs in this show. You can always find him on Dan Davis to flip sometimes. Tony Gill was on Sports Feed tonight. So definitely make sure you you check that out because that was, uh, I'm sure that was pretty good. And co-host with the most, well, Mr. Kenneth Davis is on Sports Talk Live, NBC Sports Chicago. There you go, last Friday. So uh, I don't know if I really like that term sometimes, to be honest with you. What? Co-host with the most? Because I don't think people, like when you hear that, people know that we, we co-host, we co-host. Yeah, we co-host together. But sometimes people, it, uh, formally there's sometimes a host and a co-host. Um, I, I can see that. But I that's can see the, that. I mean, I'm not saying it from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get you. I get you. I get you. Uh, but yeah, Tony. Uh, through Tony, speaking to Tony Gill. Yes. Uh, Tony had uh, connected with uh, Danny Wasaki. Yes. Uh, at a Bulls at a Bulls function, a presser or something, mm-hmm. and mentioned to her about you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couldn't make it the week before, and uh, you were out of town this time. Well, actually, you tried to make it. Yeah. But it was too late. And then you were out of town, so uh, I got the call for Friday morning to be on there Friday evening, and uh, the lovely and intelligent Layla Rahimi uh, was the host of the show. Shout out to Layla. Shout out to Layla. Uh, it was a terrific experience. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was at the opening of the show that it was going to be about the N-word and Tim Anderson. Yeah, I heard that she said uh, through Twitter, uh, I was on vacation, as Ken said, she kind of like, yeah, I apologize for to Ken first thing, you know, we know he's going to come with that, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> but I heard you knocked it out the park, though. She heard- apologized profusely at the end of the show. <laughs> so she had been thinking about it, and I told her, like, nah, we we keep these, these yeah. pistols hot. 
Yeah. So these these takes are what they're going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could watch the show, I'll say watch the show to see what I said. It was for anybody that doesn't know, we had heard the day before, or maybe even a day and a half before, that Tim Anderson was going to be suspended for saying having saying something with a lot of vitriol towards a, a member we know was Keller from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But we didn't find out till late Friday. The Rails. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Till late Friday that he had used the N-word to this white guy. And uh, that was the discussion. Uh, Layla was setting it up talking about, you know, that clearly in uh, predominantly black sports like uh, football and basketball that, you know, we know this that the word flies around. And my only caveat was the fact that we always hear about the low numbers of African-Americans in baseball. Mm-hmm. And Tim Anderson's the only African-American mm-hmm. on the, the the baseball team. Now, I don't know necessarily with all the guys that are from the Caribbean necessarily that are that are uh, Afro, regardless mm-hmm. of where, wherever they're African from. African descent, but from yeah, the island. If yes. they're necessarily using N-word in there or mm-hmm. whatever. But it's like, it, usually in the setting that she was setting up, it, it's a setting where people may feel at ease to say it because they're around people that look like them. Mm. We are not never have been a huge proponent. I kind of, as I get older, I don't really use the word, but I never use the word uh, for the most part. I know this one could say something. But in the presence of anybody that's not from the community, mm. because I wouldn't want them to feel that there's any way, even though that's that they should feel like that. I think it's uh, silly when anybody feels like they can use uh a slur, even if some people say, well, you should never use a slur, and I can understand that. But I would never go into any other community, and if they're using a slur as a— Just pick it up and just you use it, I too. Wouldn't, that's not right, what I'm—I'm right. not here for that. Yeah. So I wouldn't expect anybody to do it in my community. So that was mm-hmm. uh, the beginning. I was, luckily, I was on there with uh, Sam Pananovich and uh, Eli Herchkovich and also Chuck Garfield at the end. Uh, everyone was terrific. Nice. Uh, definitely look forward to going back. Look forward. I didn't get to meet Cap. He was doing post-game, and he took off right after. Mm. I look forward to uh, meeting him, but uh, Layla did a terrific job. Uh, shout out to her. Uh, we talked a little bit about, um, I asked her about um, Shakes, uh, uh, Jackie Robinson's event at Nisi's that took mm-hmm. place two weeks ago, and she just talked about how much she appreciated being. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. the community rocks yeah, with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, so she was like, we at ease. The community rocks with you. Yeah. So it was definitely a terrific experience. I look forward to seeing uh, when your debut on there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was actually uh, tweeting uh, with Danny. I was like, hey, I'm on vacay, but whenever you need me, you know, hey, let me know. I please appreciate. I mean, I appreciate that you and uh, you rocking with uh, Ken and I just reaching out to us. So, uh, big ups, D. When you get that call, make sure you tell me because Ken didn't tell me that morning when he got the call to hey mark your calendar, check me out on Sports Talk. Look at this. I didn't look at this. No, you did not. I saw the tweet later on or something like that. (laughs) I was like, what? That that didn't go through the text message. No, oh, yes. because you know what? Well, it didn't go through. You weren't involved, so it didn't go through Ryan's song. Which hold on, but uh, it didn't go through Ryan's song. That's the name of the the, the text string that we have with Ryan as the executive producer. And what happened was when Tony texted, and the reason why I didn't say anything is after Tony said it, he called me right after. So there was no reason on our text thread for me to say anything. Because Tony had called me and I confirmed we were going, we were making, we were seeking a confirmation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I mean, you know me, I usually kind of play it low key for the most part. So I just played it the way I usually play it. I mean, only reason I did any imagings because you was like we should. I mean, I look at it kind of like this is what we do. So as far as like acting like I, I, tr- I really try to act like I've been there before for the most part. So I mean, we did do the imaging for, it, but for the most part, it's kind of like you it's know, this another milestone for us though. 
it's another milestone for us. This is, this is a show that people actually outside of us in the studio, but our buddies actually was tweeting to them like, hey, dope. man. That was dope. Yeah, like, Stokes. Yeah. Um, uh, Anton Deshaun it Anton, actually reached out to Sports Feet like hey what about D and Davis this would yeah. be great to have them Anton, on Anton Dedrian uh, Joe Sean yeah, yeah all of them got I mean, yeah. Joe hit me up early during that day okay and was like hey I heard you know go kill it or mm-hmm. whatever I mean these these friends anybody know I mean outside of Dedrian these are guys that were these friends that I met who are top notch fellas so, um, I mean, you get good guys saying that it makes you feel good. Yeah, man. So that's definitely something. I mean, I'm not knocking it. It's just that's a you could say it's a character flaw of mine. That's just I'm I'm laid back to a certain degree. I mean, I'm, I know you see this and you think I'm in your face all the time, but really a lot with me, I'm more laid back for the most part than anything. Yeah, you aren't flawed, Ken. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> they don't put flawed up on sports talk. I'm flawed, bro. Hey. <laughs> like, no, I'm a human being, and I try to work through my flaws at all times and try to be cognizant of them so I can improve yeah. myself on them. Hey, but listen, we uh, the team is growing. More members are going, uh, of the team, and we are regretting your team is getting on TV. Josh Hicks will soon be on television near you. Yeah, you go. Sydney Brown was just on this soon. Hopefully Ryan will be on this soon after that. Tony, as you just said, was on Sports Feed tonight. Hopefully Kyle will end up on there. Yep, Kyle. Kyle I mean, he's going to end up on them speaking to assistance right now he's going to end up on there talk and then talk. and then right you know what I'm saying you kick it off the TV at Sports Feed you kick it off over there at uh, Sports Talk Live and you know saying uh, Danny said I'll probably be on there sometime soon but yeah man this is it's just growth it's just growth we keep it humble no doubt we keep it humble but it's uh, it's good to see for where we came from to where we at right now man the milestones we're hitting that's that's all that's all especially with the um the crew that makes these things go. You see me on there, but that's not just from me. Yeah, exactly. That's from, I was telling Tony today uh, at lunch, I was appreciating him, and he was like, nah, you know, it's the work y'all put in. I'm like, nah, this is you too. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's when you get in a group of good guys, just I was talking about uh, these friends a second ago, and you, you get around a group of guys, and you go through your things, but you put them in a the proper perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and keep the, the movement moving forward, you can accomplish a lot more. That's not to say that you don't, e- even with us, don't have to have individual goals that you try to seek out, but still try to move as a collective positively in, in the concept of a group. And w- when one shines, it should just provide a life for the other, the other guys to shine. And we, ha- and we haven't given up. There's been plenty of times we've told this story on the Ian Davis show, we told the story on The Flip, or just people in general, we have a general conversation within the sports media. It's been plenty of times, man, it's kind of like, damn, man, I'm tired, damn, man a family damn man you do do you want to keep doing this whatever like that but you just keep on plugging away you keep on going away i had saw on twitter today somebody posted a interview with scotty pippen and uh yeah, david letterman that's all that one. and he was saying that you know saying he didn't get recruited for college he didn't start playing he didn't start on his basketball team until his senior year in high school in high school right and when he was in college, he was basically just going to be the towel boy, if, you know, saying the manager, but basically the towel boy. And all of a sudden he hit a five, five inch growth spurt. Yeah, he and he was like, oh, man, now what's on? But David Letterman said, but this is a classic example of not giving up. Mm-hmm. You just keep on plugging away. And you know what I'm saying? We've we've been able to hit quite a few milestones, I think, in our young professional life here in the sports media in Chicago. Uh, we've been able to check off a lot of things if it doesn't get to the to the zenith of where we want to go, but we can always talk about and think about the climb to get there and what we have been able to do. Facts. You know, hey, man, that's this, our life, no doubt our life on this planet is floating through space. We've accomplished some stuff. 
Yeah. And you ain't done yet. And you ain't done yet. Right. Because we haven't given up. But it but if it but if it was to stop right now, I think at least speaking for myself, I'll be happy about where my partner and I have been able to get to and all the men and women in our lives they were able to push us to this point yeah. that's in this room, outside this room, where would you go? I'll be happy right there. I'll be happy. But one thing again to mention is I want to keep going now. You know, shout out again to uh, Stokes, Anton, uh, Sean, and uh, and Cam. Joe, yeah. Uh, but one thing that I was saying I asked to Afton because just like it's people that retweeted that that I didn't even know. Yeah, man. As far as I mean, just people that we're cool with, but because if, if I wasn't added on there, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that the community here in Chicago. I mean, when you hear it's so much negative stuff happening, and I'm not saying that stuff doesn't happen. But you kind of have to understand that that stuff is put in a certain area for a purpose. But I mean, even just saying on the, the white and black, the amount of love that we've gotten from both sides. Everywhere, man. And the community of uh, hand down to pull you up mm-hmm. that I've hit. Like, I, this, one of the best parts about us cracking into this and growing in this is not meeting a lot of jerks. I mean, at least they keep it away from us for the most part. Yeah. You know, we're going to have Hub Arkish on here, and Hub is one on our show. Almost four times. If this is not, if this won't be his fifth, this will be probably his fourth. Going back to CSR. Yeah, and I mean, Top doesn't have to come on our show or anything like that. Meeting him out in Bears practice. Yeah, we was covering the Bears practice and for the first time. We shook his hand. He's like, "Hey, man, gave anytime you gave us gave us his business card, it's yeah. been there. Yeah, he's so, been there for us. And, and that's just, I'm just giving you that name. But there's so many people like that, and all we live for is to do that, to come up and do that with others. I will say this: I'm with you, but. I'm, I'm one thing now. I'm like I'm hungry. Like I oh, I'm still hungry. I'm too, not saying now. you are. Yeah, I yeah. want. I, like I want. I want to take a huge chunk out of this real mm-hmm, quick. Mm-hmm. The, before we before we uh, get out of here and go to hub. Uh, so I got there and I left early, but after parking and trying to find a place, I'm almost hitting the, the time because uh, in the email, uh, Danny Wasaki tells you to be there between five and five fifteen. Mm, That's okay. what I tell you to be there. Okay. Okay. Um. So. I finally figure out what the place is. I remember first going to the side of the merchandise market. Cause I, that's one thing I was like. Oh, is it the merch? It's not. It's oh. across the street. Oh. But you got to think, even though the merchandise mark has the river on one side, there's three other across the streets. Uh-oh. You almost now, got lost. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm running. So I'm on there sweating like I hit some some powerful, potent drugs around my neck. Unfortunately, Layla, me, is this guy okay? Man, let me get He's the, all right. He's all let right. Me get the joke out first because I'm grown and I don't care. If, if this would have been a couple years ago, I would be broken. Like, I was sweating. Like, but I'm like, I got home and I kind of missed the after and I was like, I just started laughing. Like, I was on a sweat like a slave. <laughs> Sorry for using that one after talking about Tim Anderson. But uh, so I so I finally find this find out where they they record at. Uh, and I go downstairs and I ask the guard. I'm like, with well, the guard, he just kind of like, yeah, go go in or whatever. Uh-huh. And I looked, and the, the, the setup is so different that when I'm trying to look for it, I still don't know where's the green room or where the guests go. So I have to go back out to the guard, like, hey, where the guests go? So I start walking. He said, go in and make a right, basically. So I start walking. Now, no one knows me. Even though it's funny because it is doing this, I just want to get this to know the people that know us. So I'm, I'm going back there. And I see this guy with a book bag on, and I just ask him, I say, hey, can you show me where the guests go? And he was like, yeah, you know, I was just about to leave you. I'll show you. So as soon as me and him take three steps, I hear, hey, Ken. And I look, 
And like I, I'm trying to make it out because my eyesight isn't. I used to have terrific vision. My eyesight isn't the same as it used to be. I look and I'm, I'm like, it's Michael Walton the second. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah he, he do works work there, there, right? Yeah. So yeah. I'm like, what's up? He's like, what's up? You have some, yeah. some, some Showtime. I'm like, no, ain't no Showtime over here. <laughs> we just trying to crack into this yeah, right Mike now. Our egos, we won't allow to get out of whack, even though it's a brother showing love. So I, I told him, I talked to him for a second, and he hit me. I was like, I have to get back here because I'm a tad bit late, right? I mean, I, I got there definitely for a shoot or whatever. So I said, Mike, I'll come holler at you after the show. I actually texted him today. I was like, man, I'm sorry. I, didn't, I forgot. I didn't holler at you after yeah, the yeah. show. Uh, so that's why I ended up with, uh, talking to uh, Larry. I was giving him, I was thanking him for giving us his opportunity. Oh yeah, no doubt. Like, no doubt. like you know, like that. That Larry, uh, Larry Howley. Jared, Larry Howley from Sports Feed, Jared Payton and Josh Friedman, you know, and the crew there mm-hmm. have been. They take care of us. Been, so it was like yeah. you got to give props to the people that help pay get you to where you're going, but also make sure you still stay grounded and kicking it with them for putting help putting you out there and putting you on. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm going. So then I see. Now, mind you, when I'm walking back there, I see a group of gents around one table or a desk, rather, like four or five guys. So I'm not near them. I'm probably about 10 feet away. This is after leaving Michael Walton a second. I hear, hey, Ken. And I look. I'm like, damn. I look, and it's Layla Rahimi who's okay. hosting yeah, yeah, there. Yeah. And you can also see, on, I don't know if Layla sometimes does the, the pre and post for the White Sox League, but you see Layla all over, over yeah. Layla Rahimi all over uh, Sports uh, Talk Chicago. I mean, uh, NBC, Sports, NBC Chicago. Sports Thank you, the NBC Sports Chicago. So we start talking, and she's like, yeah, I'm going to come out. I'm going to put you on. I'm going to say this. I'm going to be like, you know, Kim Davis, you know, saying we're on the score. And I'm like, hey, I'm on there a little. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to say the And I'm trying to still get back there, but I'm like, I'm talking to the whole, I'm talking to somebody that's cool and we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked about the NFC Championship, the NFC, not the NFC, the Championship game Sunday over in Lawrence House where uh-huh. we met her, which was terrific. Yes. And she was saying how great it was. I was like, me too. That was yeah, like, it really was fun. Dope. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. I was like, I we actually did. look forward to it next yeah. year. So, um, I stopped talking to her, and we start walking again. Now, I tell this dude, I'm like, dude, I know you're trying to get out of here, and I keep stopping. Why you Like, this isn't his job, right, to, to walk people back there. And then I stop because I, I, I meet uh, Sam Panovich. I think I'm saying it correctly. Panyanovich? Panyanovich. Thank you, uh, Ryan. Panyanovich. I apologize, Sam. Sam Panyanovich. I think it's Panyanovich. Panyanovich. Okay. Panyanovich. If it's, if it's wrong, it's on you, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, I mean, Sam. I'll take that burden. And, and Sam was like, kind of like, yeah, kind of like he knows me, which means he knows you, which is like, and wow. it's, a, it's a crazy. I'm like, that's dope. <laughs> so, uh, so, and then I, I get in the back room, and it's this lady sitting on these couches, these big leather couches. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, I'm like, I guess maybe she's a guest that I don't know about or whatever. And she's like, you, you want makeup? And I was like, I guess. Wow. Big time. <laughs> so mind you, this is why now big she said time. I grabbed some towels. I'm dabbing myself a little, but I stopped to let her do the makeup. Now I've never worn makeup before. So I don't know what I should dab. And I'm sure she's like, what's up, sweaty? And yeah. uh, but I think yeah. it was cool. So I, I, I don't touch it because I got to go out there. So then I go out there. And Eli's sitting down and we kick off the show and I get nice. that word. <laughs> nice. No, it was it was a really dope experience. And the last part, it was funny. We were saying something. It was me. It was all three, all four of us. I was saying something and I was going to get into some Davis type of candor. And Sam Pinyanovich says, oh, no, Ken, don't do that. Right. And he was like, hey, on the show. No, this is afterwards. He's like, I was like, what? He's like, no, I could tell you was about to load up. He's like, yeah, don't do it. And I was like, I got to rock with you. You know me. Like, hmm. you see, like, he, like, and again, I'm saying he knows me, but it just, Wait, what we, was probably you about know to go we were talking about like, 
uh, uh, um, we're talking about polygamy to some some type polygamy. of polygamy. I forget what it was about. The subject it was something. Damn, that, I was out of town this weekend. Yeah, we're talking about polygamy because <laughs> Layla was mentioning like somebody being married or having three wives or something. We were, and it was something around that. And I was going, and I was just about to drop a hot take, and he's like, I was like, I rock with you. Right? Let me pull you back in. Yeah, right it quick. was like, yeah, I was like, that's I rock, rock with you. So shout out to everybody at uh, NBC Sports. Definitely shout out to Layla Rahimi, Sam Panianovich, Chuck Garfine, and Eli Hurt who of course you hear here at 670 is going everywhere now Eli. Uh, he's breaking out I ended up driving Eli back and dropping him off that's cool uh, here at the score so that was that was pretty much it you know what real quick I've taken up too much time uh, we're gonna go to Hub Arkish and uh, start talking about some draft and particularly what the, you can expect from the Bears here in Chicago moving forward Dean Davis what's up everybody it's Cameron Smith from CBS 2 Chicago you're listening to the Dean Davis show D and Davis show, and right now we're lucky enough to be joined by the executive editor of Pro Football Weekly. We record out of 670 to score, and you hear this gentleman on here all the time, and he's going to be on here Thursday night uh, covering the draft from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. He's the one and the only, Hub Argus. Hub, how are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, guys. How are you doing? We're doing good. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Hub, it's funny when I just went to get D. And we were talking, and he was like, so we're talking to draft. And I'm like, yeah, but how much draft stuff can we talk about when the Bears are only picking five picks and they start yeah, the third? Yeah. The amount of uncertainty. But looking at the draft and the Bears picking in the third round, and we all know probably chances are the Bears are going to pick a running back. My thoughts with Norman, you're joining us today. There is no positions of need, but when we're talking about positions of depth, what stand out to you as far as perhaps the direction the Bears should take during this draft? Well, I, I might debate you a little bit. I think running back is a real need. I, I don't understand the Jordan Howard trade. I, I know that we've uh, had made clear to us pretty much by both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace that Jordan Howard probably was not the best fit for uh, Matt Nagy's offense, but that doesn't change the fact that over the three years he's been in a the league, there's only two other running backs who've had more yardage than him, and that happens to be Zeke Elliott and Todd Gurley. So you're talking about a guy who's in some pretty unique company, and, and also so, you know, he was half your running game last year. He still had 950 yards. So I understand you want to make a change. You want to find a better fit. But I don't understand trading Howard away for next to nothing before you have that player. I, I just I don't see how that's going to be Mike Davis, who they signed in free agency. Um, I think Tariq Cohn, is, you know, he's an all pro, but he can't be an every down starting running back. And and I just don't see much more improvement from Taquan Mizell. So I, I think they have a real need at running back. I think there's going to be some good ones there in the third round. Um, you know, beyond that, uh, I think they've got to get better at tight end. Uh, I think that they probably, for a long-range picture, still want to add some more depth at cornerback and safety mm. and on the offensive line. Um, but I think for this weekend, um, and, and you always have to go best player available. If you don't go best player available, regardless of position, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Um, so I think that they will have that in mind. But when you come up with your pick, there's usually two or three, four guys you've got rated fairly close to each other, and if one of them fits that need, that's what you're going to do. Hub, real quick, let me ask you about Mike Davis. Uh, looking at what the Bears want, you think they want a guy that's similar to Tariq Cohen, but of course stockier and can run through the tackles. 
out of anything that you've heard about Mike Davis, does he fit those characteristics? Yeah, I'm not anti-Mike Davis. I, I think it's an interesting signing. We'll see what happens. But you can't ignore realities. When you start to ignore realities, this is where you get in trouble. And this is where early in his career, Ryan Pace got in trouble with Pernell McPhee. You know, he, he signed him and paid him to be something more than he had ever been in Baltimore. Uh, he got in a little trouble with Mike Glenn. And I think that that missed is, you know, signing is badly overrated because he never expected Glennon to be the future. He wanted him to be the transition or the bridge to, to Mitch Trubisky, but nonetheless didn't work out very well. Again, they were projecting something they hadn't seen before. Um, and, and so now you look at Mike Davis. He's been in the league four years. He was a fourth-round pick out of South Carolina. He spent two years in San Francisco in a team that was desperate for a running back because Carlos Hyde kept getting hurt, and he just wasn't good enough. He couldn't keep the job. They let him go after two years. Seattle picked him up. They've been desperate for a running back the last couple of years. They used a first-round pick on Rashad Penny last year. Chris Carson emerges out of the seventh round, but in these mediocre running back rooms, Mike Davis could never take the starting job. And so now to assume that he's going to be your starter here with a 12-4 and playoff team, I just I don't see how you do that. So I think I, I'm guessing that what Matt Nagy and, um, and Ryan Pace are thinking is that Mike Davis could be an excellent replacement for the Benny Cunningham slash Taquan Mizell role. He could be a very nice number three guy who maybe gets five to eight touches a game, uh, give you a little change of pace over whatever else you're going to do. He's going to be a change of pace off Tariq Cohn. But if you're talking about him being the starter and Tariq Cohn being the change of pace, then I think you're pretty thin at the position. Dean Davis on the line right now. Hub Arcus, executive editor of Pro Football Weekly and also NFL Insider at 670 to score. Hub, you just mentioned that the Bears should definitely go best player available. Well, let's just say that the best player available perhaps is a, is a running back. Do you think the Bears will go two-dimensional or multi-dimensional running back or single-dimensional, like a bruiser. And I, I guess they wouldn't when you look at they fit. They thought that Jordan Howard necessarily didn't fit the scheme. But what if the best running back available is a bruiser? Would the Bears perhaps take him because maybe they desire him and he's cheap? I don't think so because you have to remember they've got Ryan Null sitting on the practice squad from last year. And, and that's the interesting thing about the whole Taquan Mizell situation. Nall was by far the Bears' best running back in training camp last year. Jordan Howard wasn't working. Tariq Cohn wasn't working. Um, but of the other guys competing for the position, Nall was the guy who stood out, and he never got activated last year. He's 6'2", 225, 230 pounds. He's not a fullback, but he is a between-the-tackles bruiser. And, and, and I don't know that you're going to do better in this draft, uh, you know, looking at the prospects available. What they're looking for is, is their number one back. They're looking for a guy who can run between the tackles with some wiggle, with some make you miss, with some explosion, a guy who can hit home runs. And, and uh, that was, at the end of the day, the problem with Jordan Howard is that he would give you that 30, 40, 50-yard explosion every once in a while, but he wasn't going to be a home run hitter. He wasn't going to run the jet sweep. So that's what they want. Um, and then it allows you to be even more creative with Tariq Cohn. Use him as much as a receiver as a running back. Um, and then if you've got both those pieces, Mike Davis theoretically can do either, and he's a really nice number three. Um, but no, I, I don't see them drafting any bruisers between the tackles. They're looking for the guy who's going to be more elusive and the guy who can you know be a threat to go all the way on almost every play. Hub, you mentioned um, Howard, and you think they just kind of gave him up for nothing. So what do you think the Bears should have or maybe possibly would have been able to get for him? 
Well, I mean, to be clear, it wasn't nothing. I guess it's a sixth-round pick. Yeah, Conditionally, yeah. could be a five. I think they'll get the five because I think Howard's going to be really good in Philadelphia. Um, I don't think they could get more because they wouldn't have made the deal if they could. Mm-hmm. And in some respects, they may have made a small mistake there. They made it so obvious that Howard wasn't part of the future that teams weren't willing to pay a lot. They were waiting for him to be cut loose. you know. And, and the Eagles decided they wanted him bad enough that they weren't going to wait on that. And so they gave up the, the condition pick. So it's not that they could have gotten more. I believe they could have gotten a lot more by keeping him uh, than they're going to get out of that conditional pick. Now, had they held him through the draft and then drafted a guy who they loved and gone to camp and said, yeah, this guy can be the guy. Now it's August and maybe you've got another team that had an injury at the position. Maybe you do get more. Maybe you end up cutting uh, Jordan Howard without getting anything else in return. But you know what? I, I think he was more valuable to them as a starting back and former pro bowler as an insurance policy than that conditional six-round pick is going to be. And you mentioned tight end. Uh, looking at the draft, is anybody out there that you think, like, you know what, maybe the Bears should kind of look at him and pick pick him up? That'll be in the third or fourth round. Yeah, third or fourth round, yeah. Well, that yeah, that's going to be the trick with this. Is tight end is pretty good this year. It's it's one of the better groups we've seen. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson and Noah Fant from Iowa, as well as Irv Smith from Alabama, should all go in the first round. Uh, then you've got a lot of players that people are interested in. This becomes a matter of taste now. When you talk about Isaac Nauta from Georgia or Dax Raymond from Utah State, he's going to be a little bit of an older rookie because he went out on his Mormon mission. So I think he's going to be a 24-year-old rookie. I love Zach Gentry from Michigan, but he's more of strictly a move. Type. Tight end. I don't think he's going to give you much as an inline blocker. The guy that probably is the most intriguing is the one that the, the Chicago media has covered was brought in for a personal visit, and that's Jace uh, Sternberger, the kid from Texas A&M. He probably fits in the third round. You know, he could go higher than 87. You could be looking at 65 to 75, um, but but he'd be a, a real interesting fit as well. And then there's other guys. I mean, there's a kid named Foster Moreau from from LSU. Uh, who's a little more of a developmental project, but could be a real surprise. We'll probably be around in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. Uh, so there certainly are a number of guys to keep an eye on. Hub, look, I want to get back to what you said the Bears, perhaps for depth, would take a, a cornerback. Uh, cornerbacks in the third, fourth, or fifth that you see that may be potential guys that the, the, the Bears could stash and perhaps either just be there for depth or mm-hmm. one day perhaps get a starting position in this upcoming draft. Well, there's a bunch of guys, um, but some of them uh, are going to go higher than usual. The cornerback group, cornerback has been loaded in recent years. This is not the best cornerback group we've seen. There's some very good ones. We've got uh, three guys with first-round grades, another three or four guys who have either first- or second-round grades. Um, Off the top, you've been hearing a lot about Byron Murphy from Washington, DeAndre Baker from Georgia, uh, Greedy Williams uh, from LSU. I think all three of those kids, not necessarily in that order, go in the first round then it gets more interesting Uh, Michael Jackson from Miami probably more of a second rounder even an early third rounder Uh, David Long the kid from Michigan uh, who is interesting because he's probably going to be primarily a slot corner as opposed to a boundary guy Um, and I think that's where the Bears focus is going to be they can bring Amu Kamara back for another year if they want to they've certainly got Kyle Fuller for the long hill and I think people again uh, the long run I should say uh, I think people forget another kid they had on the practice squad all 
year was this Michael Joseph, who they signed out of the University of Dubuque last year as a priority free agent. I know they like him, and you've also got Kevin Tolliver there. So um, uh, I don't know if they're going to be focusing on trying to find a slot specialist or just the best corner they can. Uh, Julian Love is a, is a guy I love, uh, no pun intended, and, and, and I think should go high in the second round, but I'm hearing from some that they wouldn't be shocked if he st- uh, stuck around for a while. Uh, Joan Williams from Vanderbilt, uh, Derek Beatty Jr. from Kentucky. These are all kids who can play, um, uh, and, and they're all pretty good cover. Uh, another guy that nobody can make up their mind about is Rakia Sin from, from Temple. Um, I, I view him as more of a third-round type prospect, but some have, have moved him all the way up into the first round, so it just depends on what different teams are seeing in these kids. Hub, real quick before D jumps in, you mentioned something. I've never asked anybody this question. What's the draft rate or where should a, a slot cornerback be drafted? What's the value, I guess I should say? What's the value of a slot cornerback? Is it the guy's phenomenal first round or is it you shouldn't get this as a second or so forth? Well, that that's changed a ton just in recent seasons. It used to be that the slot guy was simply the third best corner on the team, you know, or the third or fourth best yeah. corner who, who, who you couldn't trust outside. Now that it's become a specialty position and teams are often lining up with their slot corner, their three corners on first down, uh, they have... Uh, uh, not quite the same value, but a similar value to, to the regular outside guys. So, um, you know, if you see w- what you really want is there's a lot of guys who can play both. Uh, you know, you get a guy who can line up. Uh, Bradley Roby is a great example. Chris Harris Jr. was another one, both in Denver. Uh, if you can get that guy, you're definitely going to take him in the first round. Now, if you're going to get a guy who you think is going to be limited to playing in the slot because he's just not good enough in press or man coverage to play on the outside, um, uh, you know, maybe he's a quarter step slower than you'd like. Now you, you like this kid, but you think he's pretty much a slot guy. Then you're probably looking, you know, I would say top of the third to, to the later rounds. Hub Arkins right here on D and Davis show recording at 670 to score. Make sure you follow Hub on, on Twitter at Hub underscore Arkish. Um, Hub, ha ha Clinton Dix is now a Chicago Bear. Uh, your thoughts on that? You like it, and what do you think his impact is going to be on this upcoming season, <laughs> particularly the running game? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I thought it was one of the best signings of, of the free agent period by any team. It was certainly the greatest value signing. You saw what these other guys got paid. Um, what what Packer fans and Bears fans have to understand: Ha, ah, Clinton Dix is a better safety than Adrian Amos. I mean, he's just got mm-hmm. he's more skilled, and, and that's all there is to it. He has not played as well the last two years as he did the first three years. But one of the things that nobody's talking about is those first three years he was playing behind one of the better front sevens in the NFL when you when you had Clay Matthews still making a difference in the pass rush along with Julius Peppers and Nick Perry and, and Mike Daniels ripping people up on the front um, you know and some of those other big studs they had the Packers defense has really um, lost a fair amount of talent via attrition uh, they've had their issues the last couple of years and there were too many plays getting to Clinton Dix and he obviously lost some focus and he, he has not been as physical as you would like. Now you're plugging him in on a one-year prove-it contract for a guy who's 27 years old and and, and kind of got his comeuppance during this free agency period with all the other guys that got big money and he mm-hmm. didn't. Um, and you know he's got those Pro Bowl skills and you're putting him behind arguably the best front seven in the, in, in the NFC. And so I just think he's a perfect fit. He's playing next to a first-team All-Pro in Eddie Jackson. Um, I know there's been some concern that they both probably are more free than strong safeties, but most teams have got these guys interchangeable these days anyway. There's very 
few teams that are drafting specifically for a strong safety or a free safety. Um, and again, it's all about that pressure up front. As long as Khalil Mack stays healthy, I expect Leonard Floyd to take another significant step forward this mm. year. Um, I think Bilal Nichols and, and, and Roy Roberts and Harris are going to get a lot better. You know that, that Roquan Smith is going to get better. And so... Um, I think there's a chance that the Clinton Dix could look a lot like the guy that the Packers had going to the Pro Bowl a few years ago. Hub, I was listening to Lawrence Holmes one day. I believe it was Alex Brown on the show with him. And he was talking about the change of defensive coordinator and how they went from uh, Rivera to Babbage, I believe. I think that was the succession. When, yeah, when Ron was let go of Bob Babbage, who had been yeah. the linebacker coach, became the coordinator for one year. Yeah, and he was saying how, you know what, a change at the head can affect the defense. Now you at the same thing, Fangio Chupagano. Uh, are you feeling any kind of way a sense of like is it possible that maybe take a step back or are you just thinking like man these guys the horses are out there just let them go no these are two to- I get what Alex is talking about and I love Alex uh, and but I think he'd agree with me if we were both with you right now mm-hmm. two totally different situations because Ron Rivera was one of the best if not the best defensive coordinators in the NFL Bob Babich at the time was Lovey Smith's best friend mm-hmm. but not prepared for the job and, and Ron never should have been let go that was all about lovey's ego and it was a huge mistake and 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 they suffered badly they went from the top defense in the league to 25th i think or something like that and then lovey immediately stepped back in and took over the defense himself in this case i do think that vic fangio is arguably the best defensive coordinator in the nfl right now although he's a head coach now uh, Chuck Pagano is in that ca- that class too. I don't know if you guys uh, Ravens uh, days. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah. You, you go back. They were together there in nine and ten, mm-hmm. and in ten uh, when I forget who left, but they were promoting from within, and they gave the coordinator job to Chuck. Was it when Rex Ryan? It was, it was, yeah, Rex left <laughs> to take the Jets job, and they yeah. gave the coordinator job. Um, uh, to, Pagano. To, to Pagano and then uh, Vic left to go with Jim Harbaugh I think one year in Stanford and then they went to San Francisco together mm-hmm. um, and, and so they, they grew up together Not, not they, weren't, they were only together there a couple years but they know each other well they coach the same scheme uh, they coach it similarly you, you hear a lot about Pagano maybe blitzing more maybe liking more pressure whereas Vic Fangio is, is, is the number one genius in the NFL at mixing up his zone coverages and mixing in man and pressure uh, um, but Pagano is, is is in that class, and you look at the talent that he's got to work with. Um, there could be a little slippage early. You know, there'll, there'll be some changes. I, you know, one of the things I love is, is Pagano came in and said, "We're going to stay with Vic's terminology. It's a lot easier for me to learn than for 20 guys to learn uh, than changing it." So um, I think there could be a period of adjustment, but I don't think you're going to see anything near what you saw in terms of the the lost production when when Bob. Well, by the way, Bob Babich is absolutely one of the best people I've ever met. In 40 years on the beat so I don't mean to be overly critical of him but my guess is that if we could get him on with us right now even he'd acknowledge that he may not have been ready for that transition when Lovey tried it Hub looking at this division this upcoming season and you look at the Packers and we know Aaron Rodgers is re-signed and Brian Gutekunst uh, uh, went into free agency something that the, the Packers haven't really been doing in the past do you think the Packers are going to be ready to go again with their free agent additions or what other team in the, in the NFC North do you think is going to be a team that can challenge the Bears and perhaps try to knock the Bears off the top you got to watch the Vikings, guys. I mean, they. I don't know what happened last year. Obviously, uh, a few things happened with them. But when you just compare talent, you look at the rosters, you look at the front offices, the coaching staffs, um, either the Bears and the Vikings are the two best teams in the NFC North right now, 
or maybe the Bears are number one and the Vikings are two. But you got to look at where the Vikings were in 2017. They are. If the Bears are looking for the team to beat, it's the Vikings. If the Vikings are looking for the team to beat, it's the Bears. What we've seen with the Packers until the last two seasons that when Aaron Rodgers is healthy, he makes them a competitor. He couldn't do that last year. Now, remember, he played every game, but he was playing hurt quite a bit. The Packers have had so much attrition on the rest of that roster. And, and listen, I, I, I hope I'm wrong because when the Packers and the Bears are both good, which is so rare, it's, it's great for everybody. But I don't really like what Gutekunst has done in free agency. I, I think it was time to get involved. I have no problem with that. But I think he may have committed the classic mistake, overpaying for young players, projecting them to be more than they've been the first four. That's what I just was talking about with Mike Davis. I mean, you look at Zadarius Smith and, and you look at Preston Smith. These guys have been in the league four years apiece, and they've never played to anywhere near the level that Gutekunst is now paying them. And, and so, you know, maybe you're projecting they can take another Another step because they're going to be on the field for 60 minutes as opposed to 35 or 40 minutes. Um, they're, they're not bad football players. I'm not saying they're bad signings, but again, I go back to, to the Pernell McPhee signing, and you've got almost a clone of it with Zadaria Smith. Now, the difference is you knew that McPhee had those damaged knees, and Smith is healthy as near as we can tell. Um, but he's had every opportunity to take over from a 34, 35, 36-year-old Terrell Suggs, and he couldn't do it. Uh, you know, he was still playing behind him, and, and so... Um, It'll be interesting to see how good. I, I think Preston Smith is the better of the two players, the two Smiths they signed in free agency. But there's no question Zadarius Smith is, is, is the pass rush specialist. Now, what you got to realize, the Packers were actually seventh in the NFL in quarterback sack percentage last year. So it's not like they weren't getting to the quarterback, but they weren't creating consistent pressure, and they weren't stout up the middle. Preston Smith is a really good all-around linebacker, so he will be a nice addition to that defense, even if he doesn't give them much pass rush. I think in his best season he's had four sacks um but Zadarius Smith if he doesn't go in there and become a double-digit sack guy then that that's going to be viewed as a, as a mistake in, in that signing and I, I don't know what they have the base of projection of Zadarius Smith getting double-digit sacks on Dan Davis on the line Hub Arkish follow him at Hub underscore Arkish make sure you check him out Thursday on 670 to score from 6 to 10 p.m. yes yes getting all your draft info for real Football fans, even go. though the Bears don't have draft picks, you still want to listen to this. All right. <laughs> like, this used to be my Thanksgiving hub. Like, batter the hatches. Uh-huh. Don't call me. I'm doing all draft. <laughs> this is all I need. So, definitely great having you. I want to ask you a quick draft question and then a Mitch Trubisky question. Last year, you joined us and you were headlong a Baker Mayfield's guy. You said Baker's the guy. Yeah. I said that uh, I kind of like Josh Allen. Of course, mm-hmm. you're right. You're Hubarkish, even though Josh Allen doesn't stink. He's just Vince Young with a strong arm. <laughs> but uh, looking at this draft, I'm usually like a, a 5'10 quarterback. I'm not here for it. I, even if he's great, he wouldn't be on my team. Uh, what quarterback would you pick and why in this upcoming draft? Well, you know, you got to take a step back on the whole Kyler Murray thing, because if, if it's not the Arizona Cardinals, then we don't know, you know, what happens with Kyler Murray. And, and I, I mean, I think it's the most ridiculous thing. I've, I've been doing this for 42 years, and the idea that Kyler Murray would be the number one overall pick in any season is bizarre to me. Mm. But that a team that traded a third and fifth round pick to move from 15 to 10 last year and took a quarterback and only gave him 14 games on an awful team with a coach that they fired is now going to reboot and just write that guy off and and invest the number one overall pick in Kyler Murray. 
The whole thing is crazy. And you know what's crazier than that? The fact that they hired Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. Yes. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who went 30 and 40 in five seasons at Texas Tech and couldn't win with Patrick Mahomes, you know, playing pretty much kind of tier two power five, but tier two football. And so... I don't get it. I don't know why he is their choice as head coach. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they think they've got the next Sean McVay, although he's, what, eight, nine years older than McVay was when he got the job. Um, but even if they do, you don't give him control of the personnel department. You know, Steve Kine's job is on the line. He already had a one-and-done coach last year. And what I'm hearing is going on down there is that Kingsbury and ownership love the idea of Kyler Murray. Ownership loves the marketing aspect of it, thinks it'll sell some tickets, which is a problem when you go 3-13. and 13. But Steve Keim and uh, Terry McDonough, his personnel guy, I'm hearing they're not happy about this. And, and I'm not at all convinced yet that they're going to take Murray. Um, but but I just think it's bizarre uh, that you would talk about him as the number one overall pick. One season as the starter at Oklahoma, um, it, it just it doesn't make sense to me. He, he's a unique athlete. He's an interesting player. Um, I could certainly see him in, in the, the first half of the second round um, as kind of a, a guy you, you create special packages for he may turn out to be a great quarterback in the nfl i'm certainly not i'm not anti kyler murray but but you know you were just talking about how much you love the draft well we've been studying this for a long time mm-hmm. we know what goes into this yeah and he brings none of the assets that you're looking for in a guy that you want to draft. i wouldn't do it it's yeah it's- uh, and so the answer to your question is i think Dwayne haskins is the best of the four prospects um what's happening with him i'm told is that some of the teams that he's had private uh, meetings with he's not doing as well on the whiteboard as mm. they would like. Uh, not that that can't be taught, but you got to remember mm. he's a third-year sophomore. He only started one season, just like Kyler Murray. Um, uh, apparently Murray does better when they put him on the whiteboard. Uh, but Haskins has also somehow gotten this rap of being immobile in a pocket passer. That's not true. Watch the tape. I mean, he's not going to be running down the field, but he moves very well and creates in the pocket and extends plays. And at times, that's when he was the most dangerous. I think that if you were going strictly on the tangibles, on the measurables... The guy with the best tools is Drew Locke. But what worries me about him is that in three years, starting at Missouri, I think his best year, his completion percentage was barely 60%, and that was this year. And that's really the first thing you're looking at in the NFL these days is accuracy and the ability to read and complete passes. And then you get to Daniel Jones. He's kind of an unknown to me. Um, He's just – you turn on the tape and – you know, it, it, it's not bad. It, it, it's good sometimes. But uh, to me, there's just nothing real exciting about him. I'll, I'll tell you, the other kid I love is uh, is the kid from Buffalo. I, I just I'm fascinated by him. Uh, you know, Tyree Jackson is, I want to say, six, seven and a half, two sixty, and ran a four, five, seven, forty. Um, and, and he's definitely got the biggest arm in this group. Now he's coming from Buffalo. He's got a long way to go. Um, but I think some team is going to get him in the fourth to the sixth round. And a couple of years from now, they may have a pretty special quarterback. Hmm. Hubby, I, I want to go back a little bit, and you was kind of breaking down how you think with, with uh, Murray. Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray is just kind of crazy what's going on. But explain to us and our listeners right now, so what does that mean about the current state of the NFL? Well, I, I don't know that it means anything about the state of the NFL because the Arizona Cardinals appear to be a bit of a... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and, and they're just an outlier right now. I mean, they were they were in the Super Bowl a few years back. They were a playoff team. Yeah, so yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. they're incompetent, but I just I don't get what's going on there. You have to remember again, this is a team that went all in last year on Josh Rosen, hired Steve Wilk, and fired the head coach after one season. And now they're talking about moving the quarterback after one season. That's not the way you do business in the NFL. Mm. Um, and so I think they have fallen into a rut of, of kind of incompetence at the moment, but I don't know that that's a permanent condition. So when you say what does it say, and, and you know, actually this gets back to what I was saying when you first asked me about Kyler Murray. I don't know what it says about the NFL because I don't know what happens to him if the Cardinals don't take him at number one. Yeah. You know, I, I keep hearing that the Bucks really like him and that they might do it at number five. But the Jason Light, who's the general manager down there, is another guy who's you know two breaths away from getting fired uh, after mm-hmm. what he's done the last four or five, six years. And if he goes by the Bucks, I just you know I don't I don't know that he goes in the top fifteen or I just this is what we have to wait and see. Um, I think what it does say about the NFL is it's become very much a copycat league. Um, and so I think people are who are not knowledgeable, to be honest with you, are, are just assuming that there's not that much difference between, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's air raid offense and uh, Andy Reid slash Doug Peterson slash Matt Nagy's RPO offense. There's a world of difference. Um, uh, and Kyler Murray would not necessarily be a great fit in Matt Nagy's offense. But for what Cliff Kingsbury wants to do, uh, he's an interesting fit. And so what's happened is it's kind of a period of instant gratification gratification. Everybody wants the next Sean McVay. Everybody wants the next explosive offense. That's what the Cardinals are going for here. Um, it looks to me like it's going to be a big mistake if they do it, but but uh, I, I could be dead wrong. I, you know, the, At the end of the day, there in the history of the NFL, has been one quarterback under six feet to be very, well, I shouldn't say the history, in the modern era of the NFL, uh, and that's Russell Wilson. And and people want to make Murray the next Russell Wilson. A, they're not the same stylistically, but B, even if he is the next, he better be the next Russell Wilson because you're talking about the number one overall pick. Russell Wilson was a third-round draft choice. And and that's the part I just, I cannot wrap my arms around. Here's what I know almost for sure, is they could make a deal with the Raiders at four who have multiple first-round picks. They might even be able to make a deal um, with the Giants or, 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 or with the Packers who might come up and take a Quinn and Williams or a Nick Bosa. Minimally, they could trade down to four or six or maybe even 12, get a couple extra high picks and still get Kyler Murray. And so that's the part that really kind of freaks me out, is, is that to use the number one overall pick, I don't think there's any uh, justification for that. Dean Davis on the line, the Great Hub, Argus Hub. We really appreciate the amount of time you've given us. One quick yeah. question and then a long one. The quick question, one, where would Josh Rosen rate to you in this draft? And then you hear everything uh, with, with Mitch Trubisky, and I've heard you say it, and it's something that I, I really believe. If he just takes a step this year, and even if the defense slightly slides back, they should be a better team than they were last year, even if the schedule doesn't necessarily reap, this, reap that out. What have you heard about Mitch and, and the receivers getting together in the offseason? I know OTAs haven't really taken place, but does it seem like the next step is going to take place with Mitch Trubisky? Well, you know, first of all, as far as Josh Rosen, it's a, it's a great question because the only reason that he dropped to four of the top four quarterbacks last year were all the concerns and question marks about his attitude, his character, his personality. As far as the physical traits, he was an equal type prospect to Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and, and Josh Allen. Now, you know, Darnold and Mayfield are both looking like they, they could become franchise type quarterbacks. So as I look at Rosen, and look at just the physical evaluation, the production in college, 
he'd be the number one quarterback this year. But then you got to start to plug in those, those 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 questions about attitude and character, and I don't know how much that would downgrade him. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine based on what we knew about Rosen prior to the draft last year and what we know about Murray now, if they were both going into this draft, I can say with some certainty that Rosen would be taken ahead of Murray. And so there's the irony in that the Cardinals are getting ready to dump him and practically give him a way to take Murray. You know, as far as Mitch, I'm I'm just really impressed. I, I, I love his work ethic. I love his competitiveness. I love his leadership skills. I love his attitude towards the game. And I really like some of the things that we've now seen him do physically um, in, in what, uh, 26 games, 26 starts. Um, I thought that maybe it's a funny because I made this comment, I forget who I was on the air with, uh, and they corrected me and I had to kind of push back. I said that I thought he might have played his best game in his last game against Philadelphia. And the host jumped on me and said, oh, he was awful in the first half. I said, that's not the point. Look at what he did in the second half. It was the playoffs. He bounced back. He finished with 343 yards passing and he got the ball back with 56 seconds. And if they had a kicker, he would have had one of the historic Bears comeback drives, you know. So I, I think he was continuing. He, I think he, he hit a slow point, uh, part after the uh, the shoulder injury. Had a couple games where, where I don't know if they were kind of keeping him under wraps or if he was struggling to get back in rhythm. Um, but with what he did over the course of the season, the body of work, and particularly that playoff game, and knowing that he has the arm and he has the athletic ability and he seems to have all the mental capacity, I think he can take another big step. And if he does, he moves moves into the to the level of of playoff winning quarterback. I hesitate to use the word elite because I don't know what that is anymore. If it's mm-hmm. based on being, you know, a runner and a passer or just throwing for five thousand yards, um, you know, we'll see. But but I think what matters is a guy who can win playoff games and win a Super Bowl. And if he takes the next step that he appears to have the tools to take, I think he can be that guy. Hub, you mentioned uh, have, uh, the Bears having a bad kicker, and it's a kicker up in uh, San Francisco who doesn't want to go back there. Well, Mr. Robbie Gold, do you think the Bears should uh, reach out to try to figure some kind, some kind of way to get him back to Chicago? Well, I don't think the Bears need to reach out. I think what Robbie's trying to do right now is leverage the 49ers. And, and, and what everybody needs to understand about that, we talked about this a little bit earlier today on The Score, um, Robbie does want to be back in Chicago, but he also wants to be out of San Francisco, even if it's not back in Chicago. That has turned out to be a bad situation out there. And so what he's asked for is a trade closer to home. He did not specify Chicago. I think Chicago would be his first choice. But don't forget, the Vikings have had almost as many place kicker issues as the Bears have in recent years. And obviously, Minneapolis is a lot closer to Chicago than San Francisco is. Um, You know, maybe Cincinnati or Cleveland. You've got Vinatieri set in Indianapolis. Uh, you got Mason Crosby set up in Green Bay. So I think his first choice would be to be a bear. I don't know how Ryan Pace feels about that. We've talked about this a lot. I can tell you from, from multiple sources that it was the special teams coach at the time, Jeff Rogers, uh, who kind of led the charge to move on from Robbie, and he convinced John Fox, and together they were the ones who, who wanted it to happen. Uh, I don't know if they had to convince Ryan Pace or if Ryan agreed, but I know this wasn't Ryan Pace decided it was time to get rid of Robbie Gold. There there was some uh, forces working against Robbie. I think what's more important is that if you want to win, you have to acknowledge that from the day they released him, Robbie has been the best kicker in the NFL. He is 82 of 85 on field goals. He is currently at this stage of his career the number one all-time kicker in NFL history and accuracy outside the 50, and he's the number two all-time leader in accuracy period. And, And so 
and and don't forget that the really good kickers they all kick into their early mid 40s mm-hmm. you know and he's only 36 and so um, now you know you've got a tight salary cap situation but the only way this can happen they can't trade him with the franchise tag so yeah. if the 49ers were going to trade or release him they'd have to rescind the franchise tag so uh, you know if it was a trade for a couple seventh round picks or, or you know I don't think I'd want to pay too much more than that um, uh, you know then you could work out a deal where he'd cost more than the Bears probably want to spend on a kicker right now but just think about you know what it would do and I don't think you make personnel decisions based on public relations but when you think about what it would do in that locker room uh, how the guys on this team who were here when he was here uh, would feel about it you know how everybody on that roster knowing how they lost their last game would feel about getting the best kicker in the NFL right now um, I, I think it's something that, that, that Ryan Pace should certainly strongly consider. Hub, thank you so much for hopping on with us and, and really giving us this much time. We really appreciate it. You're the best. Guys, time is easy. Uh, you didn't ask for money, so we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Hub. Thank you so much for Everybody hopping on Everybody check them out Thursday yes. night on 6, 7 to score, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And also, also friend of the show, check out Author with Julie. Is that Saturday, uh, Hub? The author's no, name? that's actually going to be Thursday night right after us. So, It'll oh, be cool. uh, myself and Dan Pompey and Patrick Manley and Greg Gabriel from 6 to 10. Oh, nice. And then we'll hand it off to Julie and Arthur from 10 to 12 and then uh, you know for any of your listeners who've never been to a Bears draft party we will be broadcasting live from Soldier Field at the Bears draft party Saturday from 10 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon I will be with my former Bears broadcast partners Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer as well as David Haw and Dan Pompey Uh, so score uh, after they're done with listening to you guys score will be a good place to go to get all your best draft coverage there you go thanks Hub thank you for having me guys I appreciate it take care you're great and that was Hub Arkis, executive editor of Pro Football Weekly, also right here on 670 The Score. Make sure you follow Hub on Twitter at Hub underscore Arkish. We got a ton of draft stuff to get into, so uh, we definitely have to. I'm chopping at the bit to talk a little draft stuff and figure out what's going yeah, on. Yeah, let's go. Let's so, go. All right, Dan Davis, we'll be right back on the side of this break giving you the NFL breakdown. <laughs> hey, this is Rich Campbell from the Chicago Tribune, and you're listening to The Dean Davis Show. With the second pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, the New York Giants select Saquon Barkley, running back, Penn State. D and Davis right here. Hey, thank you so much for Hub Arkers hopping on what is breaking down uh, the draft. Well, mostly Bears on what he's going to do or what they probably going to do. But we're going to get into some draft talk right now. This is the time... When my man's my partner, my co-host with the most is like just in his sports bunker, and it's like draft. draft, 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 draft. <laughs> I mean, he's up. eating it up right now. So uh, I'm just gonna, you know, say I'm gonna play the wingman right here. I'm gonna I'm dish out, you know, saying I'm gonna hop in and play point guard, hop in, but I'm gonna let my man score right here. So I'm gonna kind of like ask him a question because I'm very, I'm very, uh, I'm always in. Uh, I've always loved to learn about the draft and the guys coming up from from Ken. I appreciate that, brother. So yeah. So here's the first question to you. Mm-hmm. I know we already we kind of talked about this with with Hub talking about Calvary, but beyond that, who's a guy right now? Because you watched the combine, I don't know if you did it like as much this year, Mm-mm. but I actually didn't. But who is who is a guy that you are itching to see a where they go and how they perform in the NFL? 
Mm. You know, that probably outside of the quarterback, so Kyler Murray and, and definitely Dwayne Haskins, I, I want to know that. But for, to a certain degree for me, that's not as appealing or titillating. I want to know the, where these defensive linemen differ because you, mm. you you look at the fact that Josh Allen, the the, the um, not Josh Allen, you have um, uh, Quinn, Quinny and Williams from Alabama, mm-hmm. and people give him the kind. We know he's he, he's definitely not going to be uh, Donald, but still, like people are looking at what that player does, and they want something similar to that. And all we heard before last year was the fact that Ed Oliver was going to be the number one pick in the draft, or mm-hmm. I.e. Nick Bosa, and and then there's a couple of guys that went to schools that necessarily you, you didn't see as much. Uh, you got the the kid um, Brian Burns, a uh, tall cat out of Florida State. This um definitely looks good. You got all the uh, the Clemson's uh, down linemen from Christian Wilkinson and uh, from uh, uh, Cillian Farrell. Like there's so many guys defensively, and we know even speaking about look on our thread this we were talking about Clark with Seattle today. Yeah, he got traded. Yeah. And we're talking about him getting traded, but mm-hmm. for the reason that Seattle did it was they only had four draft picks, and their gen- their general for manager outside offensive lineman he hit. Usually. Yeah, he did. Yeah. All right, and yeah. you're giving him a chance that we look at Clark's contract. The same thing that the Raiders were up against last year. I already have a quarterback signed to a supreme deal. Do I want to give Khalil Mack this money? Now, the problem is they gave the money to the wrong person. They should have right. given it to Khalil Mack. Okay. Yeah, exactly. but, but, so it's it's it, in a defensive lineman draft, and it's funny with the Bears, this was the draft that I was looking forward to because I, at the time that we talked draft last year, uh, Khalil Mack wasn't here. Yeah, right. So uh, this was a draft. You're like, man, when these guys come out next year, those are the guys you're looking for. But for me, really, it's it's these 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 down linemen, especially from ones from schools that I necessarily you didn't see every weekend. But then the guys that I named that I'm really like, dude, I want to see who's going to be, for instance, what Khalil Mack was and what um who did when Khalil Mack came out. Who were some of uh, the um, guys that came out? Aaron Donald was that year. They, was he? Aaron Donald. Yeah. What the, the, like. And look, you don't lose either one of those. Did Mack go before Donald? He yeah. did, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, right. I think Mack went four and Donald went like ten. And Mack yeah, comes out about right. Buffalo? Buffalo. Mm-hmm. They got a small school. Yeah. yeah. And you're but doing that's the good that. thing about the NFL, though. I mean, you could even look back so going back to like the 70s and the 80s. A lot of those guys coming out of HBCUs. Yeah. Great you know, scouting. Yeah, great scouting. I mean, Richard Anna, Dent. There yeah. you go. Yeah, I mean, a lot Jerry of Jerry Rice, players, Walter Payton. Yeah. Yeah, Mississippi State. Um, Lewis Tillman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, D, to answer your question, what I'm looking for, yeah, yeah, specifically in that first round, I want to see the Giants and the Broncos. Both of them quarterback mm. hungry, but I've been hearing are the there Giants, quarterbacks there for them to take? Right. I've been hearing the Giants are kind of like, they might not want to take well, Haskins. Gettleman is saying he's wanting to get a, he's itching to get a pass rusher was one report. But of course it's lying season, so who knows what's going on. But they have, what, 6 and 17? Is that what their next pick the is? The Giants? Yeah, they have two picks in the first round. The Giants have number six, and do, 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 do. I'm trying to scroll down, but this computer's taking a little bit longer than I'd like it to. And they have, oh wow, this computer is like super slow, and it just froze on me, so I don't know. Yeah, you they see? have. They definitely have. <laughs> they have 17. You're right. Yeah, okay, thank they you. have. They have six and 17. So this is the oh, thing. Oh, how do you want to take? Listen, but see, he may not believe in the one. This is the, the question. But do you believe in Eli? Gentlemen, this is the question. Is he Eli? sending up smoke screen? What, I, what about Eli? But see, That's I, the biggest question. I think Gettleman, from paying attention and everything you see on the, on the NFL Network, particularly, that may as well be the Giants station. Um, the question is, Is are they trying to put a cloud and cast doubt 
on Haskins because they don't want someone to jump ahead of them? Mm-hmm. Or is it true that he doesn't see Haskins to be the quarterback of the future? You've heard the rumors about people think he's more into more about his brand. You've heard that he's in better shape now than he was at the combine. The only knock on that is people are still talking about his playing weight when he was at school so, and what he'll do when he gets to check, basically, is what they're saying. You heard Hub Arcus tell us about his whiteboard work. And I mean... To tell you that that's somewhat shocking, even though his receivers were open all day long in some of those games. But for someone who was a stationary quarterback for the most part, not to have good whiteboard work, I would have thought his whiteboard work was a little bit better than what necessarily I expected. But this is the thing: are they looking at a chance that perhaps somebody like Drew Locke they can get? Like, it, 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 do they think Haskins is the guy? Do they think Drew Locke is the guy? Physically, Drew Locke is one of the better guys in this draft. The problem is, and Hub said it: he completions. Look, Drew Locke is not accurate. Mm-hmm. And that that trans that that, right that inaccuracy no. trends mm-hmm. right back to the NFL, where right. guys that are inaccurate in college don't become guys that can thread a needle with the football when they hit the pros, because the defenses are way better and the cornerbacks are way faster, and so are the safeties, let alone the, the damn linebackers. So the, when it comes to them, and I'll say this: the team that I'm looking for when you say that, funny, ironically, I'm looking to see what the Raiders do. Like I yeah, just want to know what Mike Mayock. Like I like what they do in the first round, especially. It'll be interesting to see if they trade away some of this these, these picks that they have now in this year's draft and next year's draft to go after some player, and then it'll be well, if that player hits. And I want. Look, I think most of us like the organization, the Raiders. My father was a Raiders fan. Mm-hmm. I think you 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 you're a yeah, Raiders fan. Yeah 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 yeah. So, I am. Uh, yeah. So yeah. I, I always it's something in your heart that kind of cheers for the Raiders, even though you can hate them too. Mm-hmm. But it, I would hate to root against this player because of is Gruden just messing everything up? Like it's it, so my pick, my team that I really want to see in the first round because I don't know what the Giants are doing, but it, uh, it, it's probably the Raiders. Another team that I don't, I clearly don't know what the hell they're doing. The, uh, the Raiders are drafting number four, mm-hmm. number twenty four. They only got two first round picks. Yeah, but yeah, how two, many second? Yeah. And then the second round, they got uh, pick number thirty five, and I think that's it. So it's like two ones and, a, and one and two. Then they two. got picks next year too. They got picks next year, so they can use all that yeah. to move the, all over yeah. this draft. D and oh, yeah. David show recording right here at six seven to score breaking down a little NFL draft uh, upcoming this weekend. Um, listen, I, I still want to ask you this about the Giants and Eli though. Mm-hmm. What? I don't think he's that stupid. Well, there is there was a thing where I didn't Haskins, have a question, but I like the way it's going. Haskins <laughs> and Eli had lunch together, which is not necessarily a normal thing for teams to do. Usually teams meet with the prospect mm-hmm. and then like bring yeah. in the quarterback Can't to like see pass another torch. But they almost, had maybe? alone together lunch, if that means anything. It makes the most sense. Sometimes we look at this as uh, you know, saying kind of like fans or the Uber fans and looking at it. And sometimes teams don't do what you think they're just going to do. It's like, man, that makes the most sense, and they kind of throw you a curveball. That makes the most sense. I don't think he. I, I'm with Hub. I don't think anybody else below probably the, the Cardinals and the way their organization is going right now. Nobody else probably would have drafted Kyler Murray in the first round. I don't think the. I, don't, I mean, you looking at the teams. I think the Giants would be the number one team to probably need a quarterback outside the Cardinals. The Giants wouldn't didn't, wouldn't touch Kyler. Murray. That's my point. That's I don't know point. if the so Raiders they, wouldn't though. But they but they're not in the discussion because they're not that high up. My, they're my number question, three. Oh no, the Raiders are number four. See, but I mean that's still high up. No, 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 no. I, I, I thought you said Rams. I'm sorry, yeah. you said Raiders. No, yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe because we don't know what Chucky what that's Chucky's going to do. I don't know what you Chucky's going to do. Well, see, but looking at but looking at that though, it kind of 
He's still, in a sense, kind of a football purist. I don't know if he would go that route. It's like, man, I'm going to take a 5'10 dude. But looking at the Giants, it makes the most sense. As far as them taking Haskins yes. or Drew Locke? As far as taking Haskins. Yeah, but this is the that thing. That makes the most this sense. Is, this is the thing you have to ask. Do you believe in those quarterbacks? Right. Because you, you gave up Olivier Vernon. Your pass rush, is, it wasn't it's great last year. It's trash now. It's trash. Mm-hmm. And this is the draft. If you're going to get a defensive line or a rush in, a guy, look, even if he's a tackle, you know, but a guy can put pressure on the quarterback right in front of his face. So are you going to sit there when you can get your defensive guy first and come back and get your quarterback? Because this is the thing, too. I'll say this much. And I don't – even going to last year's draft with the Giants and taking Saquon Barkley, I wouldn't have done it, but I see why. I mean, to me, I don't even – look, Saquon Barkley could be physically the greatest running back in the league for the next three to four years. You still may not win nothing because he's just a running back. You, are, you already said that you are probably draft. I mean, trade Tra- I, I, I mean, I would. He's going to benefit. Now, this is the thing why they would perhaps hold on to him. If they're going to get a quarterback, one of the best things you can do with a quarterback is a great tight end and a great running back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And All the right. ball off. To one, is used to take pressure off with the run game, yeah. but also it's going to do. Exploit that middle. And, but it's also going to do wonders in the play action pass game if you got a running back already. They they already have to pay attention to in the backfield. So I don't know last year if I would have done it. Because let's be honest in last year's draft, real quick. Baker Mayfield's the only guy right now, and it's still, I'm not the hugest Baker Mayfield fan, but still, you know that he seems like he's a winner. He's the only quarterback in last year's draft that, hands down, we know that he's a winner right now. That he he can yeah. quote unquote be a. So yeah. even if we say look and look, the Browns have the number one draft pick. Mm-hmm. So after he's gone, unless if Gettleman had, let's say he had Baker Mayfield rated number one, hoping the Browns perhaps wouldn't take that pick and we would have a chance to get him and he would be the guy to replace Eli. Right. right but right, right. if you don't have if you don't have high grades on the rest of those quarterbacks. And especially the amount of money you have to pay a quarterback and how important he is to your team, there's no reason to draft a Kristen Ponder or a Blaine Gabbert, Blaine Gabbert when yeah. you don't have to. Like, just because they're guys that have a first-round uh, first rating uh, during this draft. They, yeah. you, you don't. And it goes into this draft, too. Where does Gellman have these quarterbacks ranked? And one, if he has Haskins. Listen, if he has Haskins up high, he's doing a wonderful job of what he should do, and that's to cast doubt on Haskins. So no one will say, man. I want to get to uh, I want to get to Haskins, but I got to get in front of the Giants because that's the last thing you we know. And look, that's one thing we know of the last. We only have to go deep, and this can go back as as far as the draft can go back. But the last two or three years, people go move up for quarterbacks, man. Like you, if they like them, yeah. So you can't yeah. say he may fall to us necessarily because if he's if he's highly ranked and a lot of people like him and they know how important quarterbacks are, people are really. Re, are, People are willing to gamble on that position. So you want to make sure that guy may be there. You don't have to give up draft capital if you don't necessarily have to. But based on what I think your your vibes are, mm-hmm. you would go DN. If I'm the Giants, see, this it's is a problem. It's a DN-heavy draft. So I you, don't believe in Kyler Murray. Okay. Um, Haskins, I like. I think he might be the second best. I mean, we don't but know. But the thing but. is, he had one year plan. Right. And then you're put. He's a he's an East Coast kid. He's from the New York area, so it's not like he doesn't get New York or whatever. But that's that's a big market to play. Like one thing you can for hate rookie on, and for the Giants, both. And one thing you no, can no, no, I'm saying yeah, that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And right. one thing you can hate on Eli Manning is yeah, Eli's not this and Eli's not this. But you know what Eli is cool as a cucumber in the biggest it. yeah in the biggest media market in in the country and the way he got there yes and the way and think <laughs> that, 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 that amplifies that it. Amount, right, and so right. it, it's his demeanor benefits him there but the question is i think it's almost kind of like an age old age old question now in the, uh, in the nfl 
Do you take that DN or do you take that quarterback? It depends on how how, how it depends if that on the quarterback situation. is a good quarterback. Yeah. And I'll tell you this too. A lot of people have those, those conversations though. And I'm sure he thinks Pat Shermer is the person. It depends on if you got a guy that you think can coach a quarterback up. Right. Because if if I like me in my heart of hearts. And do you have the players around that? Exactly. In my heart of hearts, even though you you right now you're gonna ride with that coach. You may know if that coach is the type of coach that that can really foster and have a great relationship with a young quarterback and raise that young quarterback up or not. And then and if you don't, you may look at this as let's go defense, let's get this defense up and humming, even though that doesn't make sense to a certain degree, to a certain degree, because defenses windows are shorter than a great defense window is short yeah. as far as being a great defense. The way the NFL is. Yeah. The way they play. play. Right. All right? Like, right. Just to say the NFL. Yeah, great mm-hmm. defense. You now, out of that great defense, you may still have stalwarts that stay great throughout the reins of that defense as far as now they're good, now they're okay, now they're great. But as far as a unit, Legion of Doom, you know what I'm saying? 85 Bears, even though they had basically the decade yeah. of Ravens. the Ravens. Ravens. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's, let's let's look at how that Ravens team early in, in uh, Reggie Lewis, I mean, Ray Lewis's career went from being dominant. They had the, the little dip, yep. and then you, then they brought in like Ed Reed, uh-huh. and you had Haloti Nada, and it, it, it reinfuriated from when the other, it reinvigorated them from when the other guys left. Uh, um, uh, I forgot Darren Sharper, Jamie Sharper, Sharp, and all those guys. So, so when you're when you're looking at that, you, you would think quarterback is the guy, but dude, I don't like when I see this quarterback draft. No one jumps out at me as being great. Haskins should be the guy with all the tools that we're talking about, his arm strength and what he does in the pocket. But people aren't giving him his props, and people want him to go with trickery. And I will say this and stand on a mountain. Hate Davis all you want. Kyler Murray can be great. I would never draft him. <laughs> I would never in my life. You wouldn't draft him in the first round? Is that what you're trying to say? For sure. Well, listen. You say you never draft him. You, if it was a third round, second, third he, round, maybe. Was, if you got third you round, even second Russell round. Russell Wilson kind of spot. Listen, even second round, I don't know. Because to me, you're, I'm, that's a, to me, he's recoiling with arm. Damn, he ain't now, that small. I'm not got, saying that. I'm just saying he's a, he's, to me, I think, it, worst case scenario, he's going to be trickeration. And I'm not drafting trickeration for in the first or second round. That's what that's what I'm trying to get to. Like if he fails, there still will be a he space. He looked like for a him. trickeration in Oklahoma. No, but it was college, and it, it, it was the big. Well, that's how they, that's what they got to go off though. But it was Ken. the Big Twelve. That's, that's what they have to go off. Play offense. But, but 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 my point is, I'm, that's going, what off has, of, I'm going off his height. <laughs> but what I'm trying to say is, you're going off of. Measurables. measurables. Yeah, I get that. No, measurables. 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 You you said you mess you always do this to me. Measurables. You always do when you say it and then I try to correct you, (laughs) then I then I mess up doing it. You said it right now. No, but I mean that's what they have to go off of. I mean it is what it is. Is that the tape? But this is the thing, to real quick. You have to go off of what you're seeing and if you believe in that. They obviously don't think it's gonna be a trickeration kind of a a quarterback uh, uh, Arizona don't think that. Cliff Kingsbury. Arizona. What are they? Are they the Bidwells? Which one is the uh, the no. Cardinals? The Bidwells are the, the what are they? The pack the um the Buccaneers owners. Who That's Glaziers. Glaziers. It might be the Bidwells. Maybe the Bidwells. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might be them. But they're terrible ownership. As Hub said, they they made it one time. They got out yeah. their weight. It's it the is Bidwell. the Bidwells. Yeah. yeah, they're they're terrible ownership. Only, listen, only this team it would allow a, a general manager to scrap everything after last year. Even I'll say this much. I I'm think it's smart. All this. As far as the general manager goes, I think it's smart. 
because he's given him there. If if this kind of works for a couple years, he just opened his window wide back up again. Where it's like, dude, one more steak, your ass is out of here. You know what I'm saying? Like for for him, because all you do is live to play another day. He he. If this if they do, and chances are this year they're going to do well because no one has, has seen it, right? Yeah, but you can stink. That's this is the thing though. <laughs> what suck. happens when the tape gets out? And you start to know, oh, he what? only likes to draw. I'm just saying, he don't, but dog, that height will be a fact. He only likes to throw from here. He's best using, this is how we're going to set it up. And due to his height, like there's some things that you can work against. I was having a discussion with somebody, uh, a partner of mine's corny, and I was telling them about the White Sox as far as the White Sox are better off than what you think. A lot of the White Sox fans don't pay attention to it. And I'm talking about when you look at Makata and Tim Anderson, Makata looking like a guy that was a bust. Yeah. And looking at what he's doing, and I said, the real question, he's like, well, when will you know if it's for real? I said, if he dips and he has to readjust when the pitchers know what he's, he's he mm-hmm, likes, mm-hmm. that's when you know. The same applies to Kyler mm-hmm, Murray. Mm-hmm. When they know, oh, Cliff Kingsbury, this is what you like to do in the pros. I'm going to show you now what we like to do up here. But that's and assuming if, that you don't think they're going to be able to adjust. No, I do. I, I think they're, that's part of the reason why I wouldn't uh, draft him. Because you don't think he's his limitations, be able to like they're going to have to play a certain way for his limitations. I know you, you, you would always say this. We, we found out three weeks ago to a month. The shorter quarterbacks have the least deflections in NFL. But, of course, if you're taller, you're not thinking as many people are going to be able to get their hands up. A short guy already knows everybody named Mama on the field. Even coaches may mm. come smacking the ball like, damn, mm-hmm. get little man. Get so he, he's going to be sure when he lets it go. right? He, I'm sure also in the back of his, his mind, he's, he's even more thinking about deflections and interceptions due to his height and had to learn trying to, to get over that or whatever. But looking at Kyler Murray, I think when the NFL adjusts, It'd be interesting to see if his height and where he has to where he has to be to be proficient in uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury offense starts to affect what they can do because teams are going to sit there and scheme for it. And if due to his height they can't do something else, and I could be wrong here, it just proves the point of why I wouldn't even play like that. Well, it comes down to the point of the coach got a coach and the players got to play. Facts, but it's really five ten playing quarterback. <laughs> I want to go back to something you said, Ken, about the Giants, how they might have to go for a pass rusher because they lost Olivier Vernon. Does that really compound the mistake of getting Saquon Barkley? Because you had a quarterback, you had Bradley Chubb there, and now you didn't get either. And you come into this year and you need both. And you probably have to take, like you said, a pass rusher at six and hope that your quarterback is going to be there later on. You can always try to draft up, though. You try to move up. I mean, dude, I think the the value of of running backs and we had this debate, I think it's Mm -hmm. high. The problem is they don't usually last that long especially giving you that elite effort. I mean, it's not even a knock on them. But by the time a guy gets into his sixth year, like, dude, you're— got to be a freak of nature. You're tr- yeah. yeah. You're talking you're like, like two contracts. That's yes. what you're probably yeah, getting. And, yeah. and yeah. listen, how, how many people are Adrian Peterson? Let's just get to that point. It's only, it's only about one. Yeah. Bro. I mean, like, we don't see— and I, I know because it's running back committee, we don't see who's Walter Payton and the guys that can rush forever mm-hmm. as much, Emmitt Smith, so on and so forth. But also, man, these guys are bigger and faster, and it's just— it, dude, if it, it, going to your point, Edge, real quick, and you, what you just said made a lot of sense. If you're looking at the fact, and yeah, Barkley may be better than Chubb, but man, a great defensive edge rusher could last you a decade, and he he impacts the game all the time, mm-hmm. right? Right like, behind a quarter, right behind a quarterback, like like one two, yeah, mm-hmm. like right right exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, who passes the ball? The literal tra- counterbalance, yes, yeah. exactly. Most important position. Yep. So it, look, yeah. I, and I think it clearly Saquon Barkley was the best player in that draft if we're going off of his measurables. Oh, now it may depend on depend on if Baker Mayfield is great. 
because then clearly he's a quarterback and mm-hmm. what he brings to the, to the team or whatever. But clearly Saquon Barkley's number one. But when you need stuff, can you take perhaps the best running back in a generation? Because, again, let's, let's look. How many greatest running backs of a generation won rings? Adrian Peterson didn't. Walter did, but he was older. Emmitt did, and Emmitt was part of the engine that got it done. But how many Emmitt Smiths are out there? Barry Sanders didn't do it. Like how even as far as we're sitting here, maybe next year would be better. But he finally got on his last run. He got on his good point. His, his last, last run. run. Look, one of the best running backs was with the Pittsburgh Steelers had a, had a, had a quarterback and a receiver, and they never got got it done in Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers, right? Yeah. Like look, look at look. The Rams arguably would have won if they had Todd Gurley. I was just going to say yeah, that he was healthy, and so it's just one of those things where it's like with that position. And I hate to say that I'm not a guy that's, that's like you don't draft them in the first round. No, but when you're in the top ten, and it, again, and I, you've got a ton of holes on your roster, a ton of holes. Like he, wants so they it. have to be have to make do with what they have. They already did it. He's already there. That goes back to my point. If you're still talking about the Giants, they need a quarterback. They do. And that's why I'm looking at Gettleman. He just seems so old school. Like, it just doesn't seem like he's going to take a quarterback in the top ten. Look, what's it, look, last team he put together, going along with what you're saying, is an old school team, and that's the Panthers. Yeah. And it's, I mean, get, at least he went with a, 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 I don't know if he drafted. Uh, Julian? Julian uh, Peppers? No, no. If he oh. dr- drafted. Uh, um, Cam the man. Yeah, if he drafted Cam or not. Oh, okay. Because, uh, I mean, that's an outlier as far as that type of uh, quarterback or whatever. But it was a traditional team, a team that was strong up the middle, has a, a great linebacker, some good ends mm-hmm. on the side, mm-hmm. a quarterback, and a, a, they rushed the, the they, hell out of the they ball. rushed the ball. Right? So, it, to your point about him being an old school type of general manager, it'll be interesting. But what you got? In the 2011 season, Marty Herney, yeah, Marty Herney was the general manager of the Carolina Panthers. Okay. So okay. he drafted Cam. See, uh, he wouldn't even draft a Cam. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> get your running ass about it. Ken, you brought up the Raiders as a team that you kind of interested to see what they're going to do. Is any other teams out there you kind of interested Wait, to see? Really quick oh, on oh, the okay. Raiders, I wanted yeah. to get your guys' opinion on the scouts being sent home. Earlier today, uh, Mully and Haw, I was listening to Mike Florio, and he. Uh, thought that the theory around them sending all their scouts home is that John Gruden is probably that one type of person in the office that has to go into everybody's office, knock on the door, sit down with his cup of coffee, and tell them, hey, do you like this move? This is what I'm thinking. And just get, just hear it out loud, just to get people's opinion, bounce it off of To them. validate what he's going to do? Just to, just to hear it, just to see if that sounds right. And hmm. that's why they got rid of him, because they didn't want anything leaked out, because they don't think oh, John hmm. Gruden can maybe keep his mouth shut on the big thing that they're trying to do. <laughs> Well, you know, I I really liked him. I like this passing. I like this. I mean, I guess it's possible. That's very conspiracy. That's the NFL, though. Maybe, they always maybe, they always think somebody's listening to them. Maybe Mike Mayock knows what he's doing. I I hope I like Mike Mayock growing up. Um, I'm you miss him. You don't like that. I'm if miss he's doing him that? on the NFL Network when Meets, they do the drink. I, am, I yeah, want to ask Hub. He's great. We didn't have enough time. I want to ask a Hub going out like Hub. If somebody, if a stable franchise offered you a GM job because it's similar, <laughs> yeah, right? Like, job. I mean, like he did. How know, many Hub? years? How many years? Man. Mike Mayock was on there. Mike Mayock has been out ten years. Yeah, no, he's. Dude, well, he's been out of football since what the '80s. As far as he went to Boston College, I don't know if he. I think he got a, he had a cup of soup in the NFL, but he's probably been looking at draft stuff for like twenty something years. years. Wasn't he like when they started doing the draft coverage? Wasn't he like yeah. one of the original guys? It yeah. was yeah. It's, it's it's it was him and Mel Kiper basically. Yeah, but, maybe Chucky can't keep his mouth shut. 
But I, listen, I don't know. Ryan That's Anshin, something to say about the head quarterback. I mean, your head, head coach, coach is like, yeah, man, y'all can't beat Ryan because he, he talked too damn but, much. But see, the problem <laughs> is he hasn't been in a position where he was in charge of the entire franchise. Or if he did, you see what happened when he was down there in Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. So they know that he gives hints. Limitations. And think about how, this, another problem is to remember this, to go along with it. Think about how many people he knows. He was doing TV. Outside of, of course, he knew people. He's a coach's son. Is in South Bend. Clearly, he knows people. Yeah, he did Notre Dame games for a yeah, long time. Yeah, so he knows a lot of people. So people are, hey, hey, John, hey, John, hey, John, mm-hmm. and they probably know his tales and how to read what they're saying when they're kind of sticking around and asking questions. So it's probably just good to, to make sure he's, he's he's out of the situation in general because this is not the time to give up. If we know this is all mm-hmm. lies. Oh, no, 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 no. Are everyone sitting there trying to send up smoke screens? You, you send more lies and tell the truth, right? Now. Exactly. Yeah, uh, but. I, as I was going to say, I kind of kicking around to you all too. D and Davis Show recording right here at six seventy to score. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at D and Davis Show. Uh, any other teams in the draft that you kind of interested to see what they do? Um, I mean, real quick, I, I guess it would have to be the Jags. They're looking sitting at at number team, seven right yeah, now. Looking at a team that wasn't supposed to be. In, I mean, is looking at a team that has a ton of talent. The question will be: Can they become cohesive, cohesive once again? Um, and having all that talent and now having a seventh pick, it'd be interesting to see which way they're going to go. You know what I'm saying? So I, I would say probably the Jags, because a lot of these teams, I don't care for like Washington. I don't care what Washington's going to do. I don't care. I don't care what the Dolphins are going to do. The Dolphins, from what we've heard before, two or three months ago, were in the tool sweepstakes for next season. And now you hear, depending on if Haskins falls, maybe they're going to be a team trying to get in on him. Mm-hmm. So it still seems like Dolphins they're— Dolphins pick at 13. Yeah, they're yeah. up in the air to ask—you got the Lions at number eight. I guess for the, the Bears division and the NFC North, that's interesting because I'm not I'm not as sure of Matt Patricia so far. So I guess those are to be the teams that I, I kind of look at. But it's just, to me, so much calamity with the Raiders that that's, for me, is the main show. Yeah, yeah. I would go the Packers as the team to look out for because, Mm -hmm. as Hub pointed out, I don't really buy their free agency moves this offseason. No, They might be good, but you never win in the NFL if you win free agency normally. You want to be dominating in the draft, and they got Aaron Rodgers coming back on a warpath. To me, their season of them competing depends on what they do with those two first-round picks. Do they bring in two guys that help immediately and are impact starters, maybe on offense and defense or just both sides of the ball, whatever? Because if they get those talent and some of these free agency moves are at least consistent and solid. Really? You really believe in that? The Packers are uh, picking number Aaron 12 Rogers, I, and I don't doubt him anymore. I don't doubt Aaron Rodgers because he can go superhuman. And if he has enough talent around him, he can carry. They almost made the playoffs. Yeah, but you know what? Year, right? I'll say this, though. What, the year before that? He's There hasn't – there are only – Two years in the NFC North since Aaron Rodgers has been an elite quarterback where multiple teams had great defenses. All right, so you look at now the bars coming back to the Vikes, and we know even though you may say that they lost a little bit, that they still have a phenomenal defense. You have no, the they're Bears, good. Yeah, you have the Bears with a phenomenal defense, and the Lions have a defensive-oriented guy as their head coach. I can see them drafting a DN, too. So, uh, let's see the Along with Trey Flowers. During major runs during Aaron Rodgers' career, because in a a way, he came in on the downswing of Lovey. Like, Lovey, let's not forget, Lovey was him and Brett Favre up. 
right? Oh, yeah. And but the Bears team aged out basically, and the NFL was going away from the cover two as being your your your, your dominant package for the most part because Aaron Rodgers can carve it up like it's nothing. Um, but also the talent that they initially had there too, because the receivers there can't don't seem to be able to find the soft spots in the zone like the Greg Jennings and those guys, Michael Finley, so on and so forth that they had uh, James Jones in the past. I love Aaron Rodgers, and I think he, he can be arguably be the greatest quarterback of all time. But I think there's still limitations with what that organization has done around him. You heard, you heard Hub talk about the fact that they went out and spent a lot of money in free agency. Dog, they got Adrian Amos for King's Ransom, mm-hmm. and we got HaHa Clinton Dix for I agree. A, 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 was- a Popper's Penance, all right? And, it's, it's, and so you're talking about, and what he said, it, I believe the same thing. You have a situation where because they haven't been active in free agency and this, I'm sure back, uh, uh, Packers fans are like, yeah, but it goes to the discussion with should you draft this quarterback because you don't have a quarterback even if you don't think the value is as high. Yeah, he's making moves in free agency, but are you getting true value on the free agents that you're bringing in for the money that you have? And right. they're in a situation where we know that there are cash limitations to a certain degree when we're talking about a team with quote-unquote no real owner, everybody's owners, even though you can say that uh, Mark Murphy uh, is a, the, 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 the owner of the team, the de facto owner being the, the guy at the head of the top. So I don't, I'm with you as far as, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is always there, but my last part is this. I don't think the teams in this division are afraid of him. Like Aaron Rodgers usually had his, has an aura about him. And I think when you got Khalil Mack and his new Bears defense and the fact that the, the Vikings and Packers have, all, have basically had a rivalry for the last 15 years or whatever, that's that's been the rivalry in the NFC North because the Bears haven't mm-hmm. stayed on top long enough to really make the Packers and them a rivalry or even the Vikings and them a rivalry. The two teams that have been better in this division have been the, the Vikings and the Packers consistently. When you look at the amount of years the Bears were out of playoffs under Lovey, under Tressman, and then under Fox. Uh, so still, I, I, I revert to what the Vikes do. Because I think the Packers are going to be good. I think these three teams are going to be good. But the one that has the oh-no factor as far as – because we expect it to be basically, like you're saying, a battle between the Packers or the Bears. But what if the Vikings get back to where they were in 2016? I picked well, okay, them to go to the on. Super Bowl last year. And I told you you were but, no, no, but the whole thing is I believe in what the, what the Vikings have up there. The defense is there. I don't know about Kirk Cousins. That's obviously. the problem, though. That's how much problem. money you have in Kirk Cousins. Because what would they have done? Think about it. They the only thing they really did in free agency was sign a player that had left. Yeah, it came back. Right. Yeah. Right. So, but what would they have done if they didn't have all that money wrapped up in the quarterback that we're not sure about? Very right. true. But you also got to look at, okay, what are the what are the Packers going to really do and put around Aaron Rodgers? You say he's on a warpath right now. Yeah, okay, that's all well and fine, but... Man, well, does me, he have the weapons to go up against? Because I think they're going to probably – everybody's gunning, in my opinion, for the Bears right now. You have Mitch oh, yeah. Trubisky. You, he's coming up. You have the defense right there. Everybody's probably think he's going to take another step forward. That's why I say the Lions. Yeah, they're probably going to try to get uh, get a DM because you got this young guy back back here running around. All right, we definitely got to get somebody to keep him in tune. What if, so, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What if he gets injured? Who? What if this is the beginning of Aaron Rodgers starting to get it could be it could be injured a lot it could be I mean Mitch could tear his ACL and we could be having the worst year of our life true but he's, he's a young guy true and we'd be like you know what he may be straight come back but, but Aaron's been over. out the past couple of seasons he's been having these let long me ask you guys this injuries. though with the Packers what if they did something to go along with your point Ken of the defenses in the division. They got those two first-round picks. What if you package them, go up and get a stud pass rusher in the top ten, get a safety it's, in the second round? It's possible. But the, will you get a good linebacker? You got Mike Daniels. I think they're going to use the value, though. But I think, well, I'm do, with you. But makes, let me ask you, if they did do that, mm-hmm. would you start feeling differently about the Packers being a potential threat? I would have to see how those guys play. 
Because, I mean, think about this real quick. Let's we, say Josh Allen. But wait, falls. let's just say this. Hmm? Under Ted Thompson and Ted Thompson, they built through the draft. They didn't necessarily go through free agency because they kept signing their players. They've tried to do the same thing. They just haven't hit on the players. So what? And and also, uh, Gutekinds, he's been there since 2012. He was the college personnel guy in 2012 to 2015 before he moved up, got a promotion, and then he, last year he became the general manager. So this isn't like a new general manager that hasn't been no hasn't been going along with the philosophies that have been there. This is a guy that's taking part in the mess ups. So we can't absolve him. This is I say this with, with, point. with Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn. People are like, well, Ken, Rick Hahn was there. Right, so you, I That's can't true. just say none of that's on Rick. He he had to be the guy telling Kenny. I think this guy's good. Now Kenny may have been no a pro, but sometimes I'm sure he went along with Rakan with Gutekinds. The same thing. He's been there as they as they missed out. And he was the college guy. Now that was 2012, but he, still, how many guys have they kept? They didn't keep keep Ha Ha Clint Dix, and he was there when they drafted Ha Ha Clint Dix as a college guy. Then, so I'm point. I'm just not sure as far as those guys scouting wise with the Packers like I used to be. So I don't know if they'll hit on both of those picks. So. I can't say that'll change how I feel about their season, their, yeah. the outlook of their season. Gutekiss yeah. probably uh, was making a lot of those picks because Ten Thompson was probably falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm looking at them as probably at least in Green Bay to try to see exactly, hey, what do they do and what do they draft to try to make Aaron Rodgers a little bit more happier. Hmm. We'll see. All right, you like that draft talk, make sure you go to WeAreRigorRadio.com because they got crazy draft coverage coming up. Ryan Bukovetsky's doing his thing. Kyle means, hey, make sure you go to WeAreRigorRadio.com for your 2019 NFL draft coverage. Everything right there for you. But coming up next, speaking of Ryan Bukovetsky, we're going to go for up for grabs with that brother. All right, Dean Davis Show. Yo, what up? It's your man, Jay Illa. Official Chicago Bears DJ, and you are listening to the D and Davis Show. Turn it up. D and Davis Show. We are back. Time for some up for grabs with one Mr. Ryan Bukovsky. He gives us some uh, some heated questions that we can kind of go back and forth and have a little fun with. So, Ryan, what's question number one? Clock is off. Portland has a timeout. Lillard, a chance to send the Thunder home. Lillard, long-range three, and it's good at the buzzer! Damian Lillard, are you kidding me? Dagger, oh my goodness. Look at that shot. To put them out, he went for 50 points. That point, that was 47, 48, 9, and 50 points on that one. That's amazing. Oh, five years ago, Lillard hit a three against your Rockets. Yes. To win a first-round series. Damian Lillard for 50 points. Good night, Oklahoma City. Season over. Well, guys, I've got a nice little mix for you, hopefully. Hopefully, y'all are enjoying these questions. And we're going to start off with the NBA playoffs and a little hypothetical world. So if you will, follow me here on this road. The first round of the NBA playoffs is quickly coming to a close. Milwaukee will take on Boston, and is likely Philadelphia and Toronto will face off in the East semis. Over on the West bracket, is likely Houston will play Golden State with the Denver and San Antonio series too close to call, but the winner will likely play Portland at the moment. Assuming the Bucks 
and Celtics, Raptors, 76ers, and the Rockets Warriors series will happen. If you can only pick one series to watch of those three and none of the others, which series would you focus on? Wait, you saying the series that are in the second round? Yep. Yeah. Come on, stop. It's, hey, it's, he's it's, a pretty good series, kid. It's Rockets Golden State. It's not even a question. I differ. But go ahead. Say why you think that. Because, well, see, the thing is, we, we're we going off of, or for me, let me say for me. I'm going off of who cannot beat the champion. Um, I guess it'll be interesting to see what takes place with with Boston. And uh, as, since Boston has kind of turned it back up a little bit, it'll be interesting to see necessarily how that goes. But still, if it's if Houston can beat Golden State, because if not, chances are no one's going to stop them from three. Excuse me, from three peating. So for me, it's Houston Golden State. And if some people are saying this Houston team is better than last year's, I don't necessarily believe that. And we know for the most part that last year's team was going to beat Golden State if Chris Paul didn't get hurt. Um, that's the series that I need to see because I want to see if because if Houston wins, this whole thing is wide open. Like that would be, it'd be so crazy. Like it, it, it raises up the Eastern Conference playoffs because now you're like the top three teams in the East have a legitimate if, chance to sit there and become the champion versus Houston or if Houston doesn't make it out. You say top three. I, I say all four. Um, I only think the teams out in the yeah. I don't. You know what? I don't think. I don't think the seventy sixes. I don't think the seventy sixes can can okay. win the championship this okay. year. Okay. okay. I don't. I, okay. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I think the coaching is well enough, and I think the front office threw a lot into a to to something that they needed. And we said this at the beginning of the year. They jumped ahead, but sometimes you need to go through those trials and tribulations to figure everything out. And with a team that was two years away from really contending. They, they moved it so fast, but we still see Ben Simmons, he needed more time to mature. And when you have a player that's ball-dominant, he's a point guard. When you have a point guard, but then you add a ball-dominant guard in Jimmy Butler, and yes, he can move around without the ball in Tobias Harris, but still he needs the ball too. And you got a phenomenal center down there who's going to be clogging up the lane, so the no-shooting point guard, that's part of the thing he needs to do is to get down there close to the rim. I think they moved a little bit fast. So I don't look at the 76ers as being a legit contender uh, if going Golden State gets beat. Yes, I think Milwaukee is. Yes, the talent on the uh, Boston Celtics team dictates that you have to put them in and how they've been playing with it right now. And lastly, uh, Toronto. But you know what? I don't I don't really have Toronto as a team that I had to begin in the year that could beat uh, Golden State now. I, I don't think they have enough punching power and looking as well as they're playing because everything's basically predicated on if Siakam's going to go or if you're going to have Kawhi go. And we know when it gets to Golden State, you got to have more ammunition when you go through lows because guess what? We shooting threes. All right. So Ken's going Golden State and uh, uh, Houston Rockets. I'm going to say out east, I'm going to go Milwaukee and Boston because now you're looking at what's arguably going to, uh, he's going to be mentioned as maybe one or two best player in the league, uh, Giannis, the Greek freak. And then you look at a Boston team now who has um, Kyrie back, who has how uh, um, Gordon Hayward back. Uh, they're in the mix now, but it's playoff run. Last year, Boston almost made it. Lost the final game uh, in the Eastern Conference Final against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, they did have LeBron James, but they were there. So now you have these two teams, probably the two best, two probably the two best teams in the East meeting in the second round. This is clearly a Eastern Conference Final matchup. That's a Western Conference Final matchup, too. Oh, no, no doubt. No doubt. Honest, listen, I, I I can honestly say, mm, no, nah. yeah, the two the two series you're talking about, yeah, those are two Conference Finals, if you want to say. 
But man, I, I cannot wait to see what Giannis does next. And I'm curious to see what Boston does because they're all back healthy and how that's going to shake up. So I think Golden State is going to beat Houston. I It's, it's probably going to go six games. You still got a. Uh, you still think Indiana dangerous? You were saying they was touting that up a couple months. Ago. I was talking about Portland too, though. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm five hundred. No, Portland ain't doing nothing. Portland can go to the Western Conference Finals. I'm not saying they're going to win it, I'm but about, they can probably go to the Western Conference Finals. I'm talking about people I think can win it. I'm not talking about people. No, but I'm saying though, we're talking about the playoffs and which one is going to be a good series. Mm-hmm. I'm going Milwaukee and I'm going Boston. Yeah, the heart of this question was, for me, what's going to be the most entertaining series? And I'm looking at Toronto and Philly. And the reason why I love seeing the chippiness with Brooklyn and Philly. Mm -hmm. I think Embiid with the stuff he's saying, Jimmy Butler, all these guys, I want to see that edge versus Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I want to see how Kawhi maybe handles it. Maybe they get in a little bit of trash talking with some of the other Toronto Raptors. I don't expect Kawhi to partake in anything. But I would think ultimately that this is a series that's going to be very interesting because I agree with you guys. Probably Boston and Milwaukee should be the Eastern Conference Finals because mm-hmm. they're probably the two most talented team, but they won't be there. No. So no. who other than Milwaukee? Because I think they will move on. Maybe it's Boston, but let's say out of those two talented team, who can challenge the those that team between Philly and Toronto? And I'm very split on that. So I want to see that series to see how those two play out. Okay. Something different all the way around. I I think the biggest threat right now, looking at how the playoffs has started to Milwaukee, is probably Boston because they've been there before. Yeah, probably. Yep. I mean, if if but see the thing is if if Kyrie's going to stay playing like he's playing, and and, well, let's put it like this: if Kyrie has to have an old LeBron Kyrie game, can he get back into playing how he's playing now, like he should have been playing majority of this year, instead of making it the Kyrie show? Being Kyrie when he needs to be, but letting the rest of these players flourish like they did last season. And that's what's intriguing to me. That's what I, that's, that's, see, ultimately, maybe not entertaining, but I'm intrigued. Ultimately, I want to see Giannis versus Kawhi in that Eastern Conference Finals. Mm -hmm. Those two going at it. So that's why I really want to see this 76ers Toronto series to see if Kawhi can get out. That's what people thought with uh, Kawhi and LeBron back in those finals. No, 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 no. This, the one, you have someone that's ascending. When now, if you're putting a flip, then Giannis is Kawhi back in that finals. And this is my only thing. A lot. One of the things about Kawhi being a guy who he's really athletic, but he's not a quick twitch jump athletic guy. But clearly, his ability to get into the lane and get to the rim, you're gonna have Giannis there sometimes. Like and Giannis, sometimes that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like it, 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 and not not just that. And Brooke Lopez. And again, looking at how well Toronto's playing defensively. I mean, look, he's never been known as a great defender, but in pick and roll action, Marcus Saul is playing well. And yes, they have Serge Ibaka. My my only thought is still. And again, I don't know who's necessarily going to win because if you if you find a way, and no one's found this way, to try to hamper. What Milwaukee does to me, because I, I saw it. Uh, Stephen A. Smith had uh, posted something saying that he thought that um, the Bulls were going to win. No, that Kyrie, <laughs> Kyrie was more important to this team than Giannis. Oh yeah, I saw that, and I was like, hell no. Yeah, like I was like, because 
Kyrie's team got here last year. They were actually got further last year without him. Mm-hmm. Kyrie is actually falling back like he should have and allowing these kids to go, the whole team to go like he should have. Where this is something new with Giannis, and that offense is predicated on the fact of Giannis driving to that hole, and we got all these uh, shooters, even our center is shooting. What are you going to do about it? We about to bombard you with threes, and you can't stop Giannis. So what are you going to do? If you take Giannis off of Milwaukee, they're done. We've seen if you take Kawhi, and I'm not going to say that they can win a championship, but we've seen that Boston, with the amount of talent they have, can succeed without uh, Kyrie there. Not win a championship, but we've seen that they can function on a high level right. without Kyrie there. One quick question, really quick. Yeah. Who would be the toughest defender to Kawhi, or to Giannis? Because to me, it's Kawhi and Kevin Durant, and that's it. Oh, you mean ever? No, just in these playoff left. series. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, Nobody wise Durant could get in there, but Horford, Horford is a good defensive player. I be, I'm, I'm kind of I'm interested to see with a veteran like that how he's going to be able to play him. But the two with they won, they played three games this, this season, and Milwaukee won two. Because it's all it, and it comes down to matchups. That's basically your question. You're matching up who's going to match up against him. I guess maybe Kawhi, but like I said, with all the parts of how all the parts that build. That builds uh, Milwaukee. He could just drive and kick. He could set up. He could just do so much. They're not putting him on him majority of the time because they're not going to wish Who? Uh, Kawhi. On no, if they matched up. No, no, it's not, they, they won't. They won't. They don't do that like back in the days. They, they don't want to get the guy in foul trouble. Mm-hmm. So probably you're going to see Pascal Siakam playing Giannis. A if lot. they play, if they match up against Toronto. Yeah, because they're, I'm not to say it won't be times. Mainly probably in crunch time. Yeah, but usually you're yeah, gonna probably, probably, probably you're probably, probably gonna yeah. more see Pascal being the guy that necessarily would uh, defend him. I'll say this, and it, it would probably be the tandem because they've been chippy before for me. Of if they saw the 76ers and you got the big down there who like Giannis battles two bigs by himself with that team and we see him basically disrespect Ben Simmons and at times uh, Joel Embiid but Joel Embiid has kind of gotten him back a little bit too and he's limpy that would probably be what I would look at as far as someone defensively and I'm talking about two players taking them because I yeah Kevin Durant would D him up because they got so much offense, you could kind of let KD do that compared to if it was OKC. They were probably, if compared to if KD was still at OKC and that the value that they need on him not getting in foul trouble. But still, I mean, what's KD going to do when he, Giannis is driving to the hole like that? Yeah. Like, that's that's my only thing. Boy, strong. Yeah. Strong. Lean, lean and strong. Yeah. Moving over to the diamond. Moncada drives it to center. Jones is back at the warning track. This is into the shrubbery. Oh, my gosh, that thing was demolished. That's got to be 460, 470 feet. I mean, it's 420 to straightaway center. Then you look at a row of hedges, and you think, okay, maybe it'll come down there. It didn't. It went over that. Then you look at the second row of hedges. Well, maybe it'll come down there. It didn't. It went over that. Moncada gets every stitch of this baseball. I don't know if you can hit it too much harder to straightaway center field. But this is a blast. Jones can only Jones can only look up, and that one almost hit the Chevy sign. That's a foul. is in. Here comes Bryant. Fires around third. Relay throw. Not in time. He clears him. It's three nothing in the first. 
Two strikes on Contreras. He went back to that changeup yet again. My goodness, been one after another. He induces the ground ball, but it's pulled with authority right down the line. A couple of guys that have been killing it at the plate on the Chicago baseball scene has been Wilson Contreras and Yoan Moncada. Mm-hmm. Both have six home runs. Moncada has five more RBIs with 18, and Contreras is hitting 321 compared to Moncada's 314. Which has had the better start, in your opinion, and who do you have more faith in that they can keep it up? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I would say... <sighs> Moncada... Probably because it's a change. Oh, wait, what was your question again? Read the, read the last part of the question. Who has had the better start, and okay. who do you have more faith in that they can keep this up? Okay, we've seen Contreras do it before. He hit a low, but now he's back. Yeah, made the all team Exactly. So he hit that low, and he came back. So that's a good point. That's a good That's a good uh, tell that, hey, he gets it, and he can work himself out of it. Mankata, he going to a new position, and now he's flourishing. I want to see him hit that low and then come back out of it like Contreras did. But who uh, had the best start and who uh, will finish strong? I think that's a good question. Yeah, because you won't answer it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to talk to myself into it. No. I, I want to see when he hits no. the low and come out. That's not the question. I'm trying to, I'm trying Max to talk, Kellerman? I'm trying to talk myself into it. I say Contreras. I think he's had the better start. I like I like what he's doing because simple fact, like I said before, he's he's out of that low, he's hitting again. I, I like his start. Um, hmm. And do you have more faith that he'll keep it up? Yeah, because I've seen him do it before. I want to go Contreras because one, I know you didn't ask this importance wise. He's a catcher, so he's involved with everything. But the reason why I will take Mankata is because Contreras is a catcher. There's a much higher risk of injury as far as a ball hitting you and also wear and tear. Getting ran over. Yeah, so just wear and tear, getting crouching and all that. So just because, because let me, I'll say Mankata because we didn't expect it with the Open where Contreras has already been an all-star. And I'll also say Mankata because I think the wear and tear on the catcher compared to someone playing the hot corner at third, that there's a chance that Mankata won't break down this year like Contreras may break down. So mm. I'll take Mankata, but I, I feel you. I want to take Contreras, but that's a lot. That's a lot of play. And we're also not thinking about this. He's playing in, in, in high-inning games. The Cubs are a team that people are like, what y'all going to do? You know, they're High-pressure games? Yeah, you talking about? yeah, yeah. high-pressure yeah. games. Yeah. They're, uh, people are like, what are y'all doing? When Mankata's, no one's really watching on the south side like that. So it's not it's the same amount of pressure on Mankata uh, as there is. And also, last point with Mankata and pressure, Eloy's there now. So it's taking some of that, you are supposed to get this franchise up and going off of his back somewhat. Also part with Tim Anderson and how he's been able to Good play. Good point. So I, he's been playing, I yeah. think... The start, because Mikado, we didn't expect. We had, it's funny, I was having a conversation. We had uh, James Fagan on uh, during the summer. No, during the wintertime. And I asked him, and I basically was like, you know, yeah, Mikado may be good, but basically as far as what the bill of goods we were sold, that's probably not true. And to a certain degree, he agreed with that. So if we're going from that to where him having a whole season up in the pros, it's like, dude, yeah. I mean, you could say that he's 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 too he's he's, he's too structured or he takes too much time or he's too disciplined is what I'm trying to say in, in his hitting. But but it seems still like, dude, you're just gonna be a high strikeout dude. 
them telling him go at it earlier in the pitch count has helped him. And I think that that gives me more chance to think perhaps him at the beginning, as I said, why, but -hmm. also again in the end because I I worry about Contreras not finishing. I'm I'm, I'm happily surprised about Moncada. I'm a White Sox fan too. I'm more, a little bit surprised because because of how he has been playing so far. He's been in the big leagues and seeing this kind of like, oh wow, this is nice. I don't know how long it's going to stay. I don't know if I'm getting food or not, but I'm 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 happily surprised by it. I think uh, Mankata has probably the better start when you look at the two because mm-hmm. I, I mean. It was Southside misery. You gave away yeah. Chris Sale for this guy. Yeah, this is yeah. this is the piece, and it was like he might be a bust. bust. And now all of a sudden, yep. it's like, ooh, I feel real good about that moving forward, especially because he's and a really Chris great Sale's athlete. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say that, man. I got Chris Sale love. I'm happy he got paid. He got paid. Yeah, I'm happy he got paid. Yeah, yeah, he got paid. But I think if you're looking at who I have more faith in to keep it up, I'm going to kind of piggyback off your point, D. I'm expecting a Mankata lull at some point. He's mm-hmm. got to go through it, and he's yeah. got to make the adjustment, and I think he will. He's very talented. Contreras, I think, from what he's talked about with that interview with Kelly Kroll, he just stopped working, and that's where the lull came, and he's not going to allow that to happen again, so I would go with Contreras. Yeah, a little fat and happy there. Ooh, now from my my favorite question of the upper grabs, because, bruh, <laughs> it's, it's a weekend. Bruh. We've got NBA playoffs, yes. NFL draft, yes. Game of Thrones on Sunday, yes. and Marvel's Avengers Endgame premiering yes. this weekend. God, it seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave, became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. I know death. He's got many faces. I look forward to seeing this one. The world has changed. None of us can go back. is our best and sometimes the best that we can do is to start over our enemy doesn't tire doesn't stop doesn't feel whatever it takes So it's a weekend for comic book fans and fantasy fans alike. Marvel's Avengers Endgame, as I said, opening up and the highly anticipated episode of Game of Thrones. So my question is, what battle will be more epic? The battle of the Avengers against Thanos or Jon Snow's fight with the Night King and the army of the undead? That's, that's, not, even, that's not even a question. It's Jon Snow. I 
we know we gonna how we know we gonna get that battle though? That's in episode three. This is the thing. Might not get to it. Might be lead shit to no, episode no, 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 four. No, 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 no. Mm? They're saying that this battle may be the longest battle in television and movie history. What? Longer than the Battle of the Bastards? Yes. That was a great battle, too. They're oh, saying that, because remember, this is going to be the first episode that's longer extended. Oh, this is the first this is hour and 20, like 20-something minutes, this episode. Clearly, it's because of this battle. Now, I mean, think about it. Like, I thought at home, I thought the first episode was better than after. And the second episode, she liked the second episode, and I've seen people... Um, I think, yeah, Lawrence Holmes today uh, was on there talking and was saying that he liked the second episode mm-hmm. better. Um, but to me, still, both of these episodes are cool, but they're filler episodes, setup episodes. This, to me, is the real episode of what we were waiting for from last year outside of Danny and John finding out the true uh, uh, lineage of John or whatever. So I would say because I know what Game of Thrones does. Like, Marvel, I love Marvel. It's cool. It's dope. I'm a big-time Marvel guy. But this Game of Thrones. <laughs> like, like this, this game, like this is gonna be. And also, I think we all have favorite Marvel Marvel characters, or like we like after everyone fighting. Some of the people we've already lost at our favorite characters, but really, let's be honest. It comes down to is Cap gonna die? Or if Iron Man's gonna die? Or if both are gonna die? Right? Mm-hmm. There are gonna be way more people dying in Game of Thrones. We know Brynn became a knight. You was like, she did. All right, Arya has some sex. Right? Either, Finally got it in. Either her or Gendry is gonna probably end up gone. Right, Gendry. Uh, what's up, uh, the, the dude uh, Podlick? The singer that, that, that Brian's been carrying around? Podrick. Podrick, yeah. I think I said that. You said Potlick. Yeah, you said Potlick. I think I said Podrick. We got to go back to that one. I know I didn't say Potlick. <laughs> I'm telling you that. I know I did not say Potlick. I know how Potlick comes like. But the thing is, but, I mean, think about it. He's probably gone. Jamie could be gone because it seems like the loop with him and Brian. Maybe. He's done. That's what I'm just saying. The Jamie amount, is done. The amount of people. Look, it wouldn't surprise me if Daenerys dies. And then, like, at the end, she's like, John, take the drag. Like, you just don't know. <laughs> she might get killed by it's a dragon. Like, it's just so. And so, it, knowing that in, Mar- in Marvel, Cap or Iron Man or the two are gone in some fashion moving forward. But here with the clo- and the thing is too, we all know the Avengers and the the, the, the MCU is gonna keep going. Yeah, right, right, right. This is it for Game of Thrones. Yeah, they're gonna give you a prequel, but this is the end of the story, and we're gonna find out who this is gonna be closer to who's sitting on the Iron Throne. So it's to me is all Game of Thrones. One last thing. What? There's only four more episodes left ever of it. All right, Marvel's gonna have twenty more of these movies. <laughs> There's gonna guess what? There's gonna be 20 more NBA champions. I know that's just not saying there's gonna be way more than that. This is it for Game of Thrones. So to say the least, a shout out to Tony for stealing our podcast. But this is gonna be <laughs> it for Game of Thrones. Um, no, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think the simple fact of now we're out of the books. This is all original content that we're not gonna see again. This is gonna be like the end of The Sopranos, the end of Breaking Bad, but the better, end of The Wire. Not big, I didn't watch Breaking Bad, so yeah. I can't say that. Right. And it didn't seem like fans can complain, but we know they complained about that Sopranos. They thing. did, they did, they did. But it's just going to be the end of it, so you don't know, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. The one great thing I will say about Avengers, and shout out to our guy uh, Brandon Pope. He's doing a 56-hour watch of all the Marvel movies leading Dang. up into in game, he's down at the AMC Theater down here in downtown Chicago. So he's been. He, I think he even got a hashtag on it. I forgot the name of the hashtag, but just follow uh, Brandon on Twitter at uh, B Pope TV. Um, this has been twenty two films, eleven to twelve years of the dedication of a a movie arc. This is basically television 
a television series in the theaters and bringing in new characters that were kind of like B and C plus characters and made them into household names around the world. So that's what's really cool about what you're going to see with Endgame. But yes, I agree with my I agree with my partner right here. You never you're not going to see Game of Thrones unless they come they let's do a remake up and we're like 70 years and we can talk hey, about like man this was better when, <laughs> in 2019 that ain't how Arya with a surfboard <laughs> it, it's 2047 Game of Thrones sucks surfboard <laughs> like <laughs> so we're never going to get that again we know who's going to survive in Marvel because you know what they got the movies already kind of laid exactly. out so we got but but not to take away from it because we're just enjoying the entertainment that we have put in but remember this is just about the movies. battles not the climaxes see, of these I think, shows see I think with, I think with the just the pure battle scene. I think we're going to get more battles with Game of Thrones sure. so I would think the more battles the better like more the merrier the more battles the merrier and there's I think more with, people dying that you care about that's true dude there's only yeah. so many people we all we know well first of all Marvel they gonna bring people back we already know there's no back. question they're bringing these people there's back there's a Spider-Man 2 coming out everybody exactly they're bringing he was them. dusted by his back yeah they're, they're bringing these <laughs> them back Tony Tony how do I feel like this Tony yeah so I, how can I sit Spider-Man there 2, come and see I me. know for the most part the outcome isn't as bad like th- this battle, basically, getting we're just basing off a battle. This battle is going to help define future the future of this show, where we already know. This- they reading spoilers. No. no oh, okay. So this has been this just this has been kind of like talked about in this episode three, which you've been seeing. Yeah, that only, they talk about. Yeah, okay. I've been okay. reading anything. Really okay. In the okay. Future. Okay. Okay. But this but this battle is 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 going to determine who ends up on the throne. We already know the Avengers win. Right, like we know that we know you know, Brian. You don't think the Avengers gonna win in the end? I hope not. Okay. All right, <laughs> you root for Thanos. Maybe like maybe, that. It, maybe it might be a twist where they don't defeat Thanos, but they're able to just kind of like win the day. But maybe they don't beat Thanos. And you know what that'd be? What lame? Yeah, that would be lame. Hmm? We can't. I, I don't know At what the end, Thanos is like. You know what, guys? I I'll was be bogus. <laughs> Here, take this gun. No, 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 no. I, don't, you know, I don't even know what I was thinking, man. No, maybe they might maybe they might de- defeat him and send him off somewhere. I don't Which know. I hate. But listen, See Rick Rick Grimes on on the walking dead. <laughs> true, very true. But uh at least uh just kind of wrap it up, at least with uh definitely gonna get your thoughts, Ryan. But uh the the um the reviews of Endgame have been outstanding. All the tweets that came out after people saw the premiere last night said it is one person said, and this is their own opinion. It's the greatest comic book movie ever made. It's the way they set it up, the ending, everything, the emotions of it said it's the greatest thing they ever seen. So, I mean, it has this 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 bigging it up very big. So this movie is going to be great anyway. But damn it, give me more battles. And I think we're going to have a lot more battles. How many episodes we got left? Four in Game of Thrones? Is it is it is it possible that we get like three battle episodes in the last episode? Kind of like it just kind of like, flushes it out, yeah. or I don't it know. But they won't be like this because we know the only real battle left is Cersei and the Golden Army. Yeah, does Cersei appear in episode three or four? I don't know. You know, so that that's the only question, and I don't. We don't even know if it'll get to that, depending on which way the Golden Army come. We don't know necessarily the agreement that was struck with the Golden Army. You saw Cersei, Cersei was upset the pachyderms didn't show up. Mm-hmm. Like, Where the elephants? Elephants. I heard the you, elephants? I heard you guys rode with elephants. I was like, yeah, it was a sea. 
You're too damn fat to go on the yeah. sea. How many elephants did you want you to bring over? You know, Dothraki don't like taking the horses across the sea. How you feel? How you think an elephant feel about going across <laughs> the sea? It's called mass and weight and they sink. <laughs> I will say, I would probably have to lean Game of Thrones, but that was where I was going to kind of go D with those mm. reviews that are coming out yeah. about this. Like, yeah, they are trying to make it sound like this is. 100% insured mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Jury's still out on how amazing Game of Thrones will be at the end. Now, that's the other thing, too, that I want to kind of bring up to maybe defend Marvel. We know a blueprint, right, of what's going to happen in this endgame movie. Yeah, yeah. We don't know the blueprint for Game of Thrones, and we're assuming that that is going to be a better thing because we don't know what's going to happen. How do we not know that Game of Thrones is going to throw in some crazy twist and it's not going to be quite what we thought it would be? Listen, it, it happens, uh, i.e., not saying the entire series, but that loss ending. People trash. are pissed. I'm still pissed. Hey, how about Look this? being the greatest show of all time, The Trash. I'll even go to comedy. Seinfeld, probably one of my favorite sitcoms of all time. That last episode, was until Kramer was sliding the door saying N-word. Hot trash. <laughs> I, and the crazy part is... That ending, what that last episode was I still was never watched that ending. You didn't. I said well, you at didn't the time I was gonna save it. I was like, and I mean, I I was with Pierre. I mean, I, I love used to make Seinfeld. my father watch Seinfeld. I like yeah. that was my favorite love sitcom. Love Seinfeld. I think that's the only episode I saw live of Seinfeld. Really? really? Yeah. It's funny because I watched. I really got. I watched into it live it, too. Yeah. Watching um when it went to uh what's the name syndication because mm-hmm. I can watch it every day or whatever. Oh, <laughs> Seinfeld on TBS after high school was nice. done. Nice. I watched that. It's on Hulu, that. I believe now. So you can kind of go back and binge watch that. But real quick to your point about. Uh, we know what they can do in battles. Yeah, we know what Marvel can do in battles, but like how many times have we been like that battle scene in Marvel was off the chain? Because how often do we I talk about one? But what how often do we talk about the, the battle that with Thanos and his guys? What? The battle that they had with Thanos and his dark his uh, his um dark riders or whatever they're called. The Black Circle? Yeah. I think that's the name of them. But um, how many times do we talk about that battle. No, no, you really don't. I, I think if, if you talk about any kind of battle with within um, the Marvel universe, I can think of three off the top of my head. Uh, definitely elevated scene in Captain America when a soldier. And two, Overrated. no, it's not. No, it's not. It's born and identity. Two, nope. nope. <laughs> it's just born identity. Nope. We put a we put an American shield on the guy and said, "Do Jason Bourne." Uh, no. And two, uh, definitely coming. I think out of uh, Infinity War when the battle in Wakanda. That was great. What about the first Avengers? I, well, that's a good one too. In in, uh, in New York, that was a great one too. Yes, that was a great one too. And uh, the battle on Titus with battle, Thanos. That with that Thanos, the battle was some, a little trash. And Thanos threw a moon, a planet at Tony Stark. Oh, he Damn. went toe to toe with Thanos. Boom! Stop stabbing like a man. Stop talking. Stop talking. You're getting them angry. We're confused, but see, this problem is we're confused. You only name one battle scene. I know name four. No, name you named four fight scenes. We what? said you said the battle. If me and Ryan got into a fight right now, it's not a battle, it's a fight. If the three of us jumped on you, so we talked about if the three of us jumped on you, Wait it's not a battle, every, it's a fight. Every battle we talked about was more than just one on one. No, dude, it was one, multiple people. One guy fighting five dudes in the elevator is not a battle to me. So you still, some, you, you're, some, you're still stuck on the fact that you don't like when a soldier you think is born identity. No, no, no. Every other battle I talked born, about was a freaking battle. It, it is a born identity. No, you name you name one more. The, the first Avengers, with, the first Avengers, the battle with Wakanda, and the battle on Titus. No, you was it was no, that was it. 
That was no, no, you you named the one with uh with him throwing the. Um... That was a battle. It was like all of them. How many people was it there? It was uh, Star Lord. It was uh. What, I don't Batista? count him as super super enough. It was Batista. Um, and we know Batista could on. be the lady, it the girl. Was, it was a girl. They don't even know a name. Doctor Strange. He was Spider-Man. there. Spider Man. Spider Man was there. Iron Man, Iron Man was there. I think. We talking about? I think that's a fight. And Thanos was basically the strongest person in the universe at that point. The guy. That's a Wednesday. Oh my God. <laughs> Shout out to Farouk, by the way, who's uh, supplying us with these beats for no, this Farouk. Up for Grabs. My former IMS teacher. There you go. Love Farouk. Former interns right do. here. Yeah. Y'all do great. At guy. Roquan, R U Q O N E. Follow him. Reach out to him if you like his beats and check him out. All right, Dean Davis Show. We're going to come right back and we're going to jump into a little bit of basketball with Michael Lee, senior writer of the Athletic uh, NBA. Talk about this playoffs. Talk a little bit, unfortunately, about the Bulls and talk about about who in the future of the NBA we may find in the playoffs. Dean Davis Show. What's up, Chicago? This is Chris Sosa from Red Eye, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. D and Davis Show, and right now we're joined by senior writer for the Athletic NBA, Michael Lee. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing great, doing great. Look, I, I definitely want to start off with asking you about the uh, Trailblazers-Oklahoma uh, City uh, matchup and especially uh, what's going on and the ramifications, if there are any, with uh, people's views on Russell's, uh, Russell Westbrook. But I want to start off with this real quick because a friend of mine was talking to me today, and I just don't understand that and this narrative has played out this season in Chicago. What are your thoughts on Ben Simmons? Because here in the city, some people think he is trash. Mm. And even though he can't shoot, I I still look at the stats that he's putting up now and think, of course, he may not become a pure. He probably will never become a pure shooter, but usually guys do pick up shots. And I was having a conversation with somebody, and and it was funny to think about at the beginning of Jason Kidd's career, who would have thought he'd be in the top 10 and three-pointers made in the NBA. They call him Ace and Kidd because Jay wasn't there. I said the same thing. He was was Ace and Kidd. But when it comes to Ben Simmons, and not just your thoughts, but what are the prevailing thoughts because it's a lot of cats in here in Chicago just think he's trash and I look at their Twitter feeds and I'm like what's going on nowadays um well I'll say this I think that Ben Simmons is a phenomenal talent um he's one of the best uh in the league young young players he's just 22 years old um and I think he's just now figuring out that there's a certain way that he has to play there's a certain amount of energy that he has to play with because he doesn't have a jump shot he has to overcompensate by playing hard and one of the issues that I've criticized him for, and I think a lot of people have noticed, is that he doesn't always play hard. And I think that when you can't shoot and you don't play hard, you're going to have a really ugly game from time to time. And that's what happened to him in game one. I think he got called out for it. Um, but I think the one thing is, like, you got to look at him like, I'll say, a, a Rondo. He's always been compared to, like, a 6'10 Rondo. But the thing about Rondo is that he can't, he can't shoot, but he can make shots. And you always know that you're going to feel him every time he's on the floor because of what he's going to do, either from getting rebounds or assists or something. You're going to make his presence felt. Um, I think being called out by the fans, being called out in game one, has sort of ignited him and brought out the best of Ben Simmons um, because everyone knows what he's capable of, but he doesn't always bring it. And I think that's just kind of just being a young guy, trying to figure things out. You, you, you learn along the way. If you don't come hard, you don't come – with the effort all the time, you can get embarrassed. And uh, one thing he doesn't want to do is be embarrassed. Dean Davis online, we have Michael Lee, senior writer for the Athletic NBA. Michael, let's switch over. Switch over to the uh, the Trailblazers in OKC. Uh, you look at the fact that the Trailblazers have been knocked out in the first round the last two postseasons, 
And it, a lot of times, and uh, we had on uh, Sean Hyken last week. Yeah. And I asked him about, you know, his thoughts on can can Russ and, and uh, CJ McCollum really coexist, which clearly they're showing they can. But being that diminutive old school style Pistons backcourt, you just wonder really if they, I think if they had like a, a elite wing player, it'd be good. And of course, if Nurses if, uh, uh, didn't get hurt, they probably would have been got. But when you look at this matchup now, and Dame is basically to me proving that this season, and we know it changes because the point guards are so competitive in NBA. This season seems like perhaps he's the best point all around point guard this season. I would say has this af- affected the rankings or where you rank Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook with looking at the fact that the shot isn't uh, falling this entire season and he's just getting obliterated in some ways by Damian Lillard. Um, <laughs> well, uh, a lot there. Um, I guess I'll start with Damian Lillard um, and just. I think Steph Curry is the best point guard in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to overlook. No, him. I think the same, the no, I think that too. I, um, I, I think that. But but, yeah, but I will say that Damian Lillard is up there among the three best leaders in the NBA. Okay. And I think when you look at the Portland Trailblazers, they have been a testament to character and just what the value of character and having the pride. You know what that's going to do for you because they got humiliated last year being swept by the Pelicans, and they could have spent the entire summer point fingers, being upset, blaming each other. But they came back and said, we're going to be better. And we're not going to let that be how the story's told. You know, they're kind of like the Virginia of the NBA, you know, where they got embarrassed, but they want to come out and really just, you know, show what they're made of when it's really being, when they're really being tested. You know, a lot of people thought that they would have folded or, or plummeted, that they may have even been knocked out of the playoffs with LeBron coming in the West. But not only did they – they proved that they could win. They got the exact same spot, the third seed, you know, and in a position to, you know, advance now up 3-1. It just shows just what the team is made of. Losing Turkic uh, late in the year, losing McCollum late in the year. All these times that we think they were going to be broken, they didn't. And that is primarily because of Damian Lillard, because he's never one of these guys that sits around saying, hey, I need some help. They got to give me some, well, they got to give me a wing player that can do this, but they got to give me this and that. Nah, he's like, I'm going to uplift everybody on this roster. I'm going to make them believe that they can contribute. And you see it when guys like uh, Farouk Aminu, um, you see guys like, um, you see guys like uh, Mo Harkless, mm-hmm. you see Enos Kander coming in. Um, you see these guys, they, they believe because they have a leader right now who's inspiring them. And they know that, you know, I asked Terry Stotts about it. I said, what is it that makes Damien so special as a leader? And Terry Stotts told me, you know, there's no BS to him. And there isn't. And I think that when you look at some other guys that get caught up in a lot of things, a lot of ancillary things that aren't important, he's about inspiring his teammates. And uh, as for Russ, um, I think that one of the issues that he's dealing with now is that he refuses, he's stubbornly playing a style of play that is not conducive to success, postseason success. He does not have the luxury of having Kevin Durant on his team anymore, so he's not going to be guaranteed trips to the conference finals or even to the finals. Those days are over. So he's going to have to adjust, especially with him getting older and having multiple knee surgeries and not necessarily being that dynamic, overwhelming, athletic, um, you know, whiz, whiz that he's been in the past. So he has to change things up. He has to inspire his teammates in a similar way that Damian does because otherwise he's just going to wind up losing. He's got to make smarter decisions in the clutch. He can't take everything as a personal challenge. If teams are giving you that shot, sometimes they're doing it because they know you're going to miss it. You have to respect the fact that you might not make it and not just stubbornly constantly take those shots. Um, I think this is really – maybe these, if they go out again, third, you know, third year in a row, losing in the first round, 
You're not winning 50 games in any of these seasons without Durant, despite having an MVP candidate season from um, Paul George. You got to look inward and figure out what can I do besides getting just stats, getting assists. Because it's not just about assists. Damian Lillard doesn't average 10 assists, but you can't tell me he doesn't make his teammates better. There are ways you can make your teammates better aside from statistics, and Russ has got to figure that out. No, look. Maybe he never will. I, I think Steph is the best. My thing is, I look at the fact that there's there are more short people in the world, so there are, there are more talented uh, short point guards in the league, especially with how wide open the offense is today. If I was picking making a team, I would use Steph. But looking at who he has on his team and what he's done, I feel like this season that Dame has, this the award should go to him, even though, you know, if record-wise, I can see it's still going to Steph as far as first team. Real quick, before D jumps in. Um, definitely your media profession, you're out there getting it. Uh, when you're looking at Russ, uh, just my last Russ question, when you're looking at Russ and his, his interaction with Barry Trammell, what are your thoughts? Uh, is this the way that necessarily a, a guy that doesn't get along with a, a, a reporter should necessarily handle himself? And what has the team done? It seems like maybe they've talked to him, but what, what do you think the team should do when it comes to Russ and his interaction with Barry Trammell? I think they've, I think it's already, they've already reached the point of no return. Um, you know, I think the things are too far gone because that's how they've allowed them to become. Um, anybody that's been in the media, I mean, you've been working as long as I've been working in the business, you're going to have times where you don't like talking to players, where you wind up arguing or fighting over something, and you have times where you don't want to talk to each other. And that happens. That comes with the territory. That comes with the business. The problem now is that it's become some sort of petty public spectacle, and now that's what all people want to talk about. When I think that the real story is not just him, his interaction with Barry Trammell, because that's what it is. It's always been that way. Russ has been difficult with the media his entire career. It's not like it just happened. It's not like this is the one time that it's happened. It's the one time that he's, uh, you know, blocked out a reporter for an entire year. But it's not the only time he's been petty with a reporter. He's he's done it a lot. So, but I also don't think fans care. I don't think it really matters in a, in a um, you know, big scheme of things. I knew when there was a player that didn't want to talk to me then I'll be like, all right, I can write without you. I don't need you. I can find a way to tell the story without having your voice. And chances are your quote was going to be lame anyway, and I didn't need it. And that's how I, I viewed it. Um, so you, you move on, and you don't really make a big deal of it in this profession. And eventually maybe they come back around, maybe they don't, but so what, so be it. The real issue, I think, for me, is like, is Russ going to grow up on a basketball court? Is he going to mature mm. and develop there and have the ability to just, not just be in total control of the franchise and not just running it to the point where you have the PR guy, you're looking off to him to make sure that this reporter doesn't ask you questions. Like, to me, I think that's where it kind of crossed the line. Um, but that's, it is what it is. Like, if there's reporters, you're going to you're gonna clash for uh, players time to time. It's just like the same way. If you spend all your days with a spouse or with somebody else or a roommate, you're going to fight from time to time because you're sick of being around them. And that just happens just with media when you're around these guys as much as we are. Uh, you're around these players more than your family. They're around these reporters more times than their family a lot of times. So um, it is bound to happen. But I, I think the real story that needs to be addressed is where does Oklahoma City go from here? What does Sam Presti do from here? Because we're three years removed from Kevin Durant leaving, and you're no better than you were when he left. And the payroll says you should be something else. D and David Show recording right here at 670 Score online with us right now. Michael Lee, senior writer at The Athletic NBA. Uh, make sure you follow uh, Michael on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. Uh, Giannis just balled out 
in that series against the Pistons. I'm listening. It was against a less than healthy Pistons team. But just give me your thoughts on Giannis so far right in the playoffs, first playoff win, and what do you expect or how do you expect, because he's going up against the Celtics, how do you expect Boston to kind of slow him down? Um, well, he's going to see a lot more Al Horford. He's going to see a guy that can actually have the lateral quickness as a big man to stay in front of him and make him work. Uh, I think Boston's going to really put it on his teammates to step up and have big games. They're really going to make Eric Bledsoe beat them. They're going to make uh, Chris Middleton beat them. They're going to do a lot to try to get the ball out of uh, Giannis' hands. They're going to probably use the same strategy as they've used against LeBron over the years and even what they used against Giannis last year in the playoffs. Uh, to just make it an issue where his teammates are going to have to bail him out. But I think Giannis has proven uh, through the course of this year that he's going to find a way, that he's going to be determined enough to put his team on his back and, and will them. Uh, it'll be interesting because they have not been tested. Uh, they didn't get tested in the first round by Detroit. But they did build consistent, steady habits over the course of 82 games. Um, they never got too high. They never got too low. And this is going to be a real interesting contrast between the two franchises because Boston's been up and down all year. They've had these chemistry issues. They've had free agency questions with Kyrie and, like, what's going to happen with that? And they got guys who are upset about roles and not buying in. Milwaukee hasn't had any drama. They just won 60 games. They didn't have any serious losing streaks. They withstood injuries. They've done all this stuff. Um, so it's going to be interesting contrast to see how these two teams come together. I, I typically feel that consistent habits uh, get rewarded in the playoffs. And who you are, you know, is revealed in the postseason, you know. Um, but I think that they've proven who they are throughout the course of the season. That being said, the talent on Boston is so overwhelming. Yeah. And when it comes down to, like, making crunch time decisions, Boston knows that they got three, maybe four killers who can get a bucket in crunch time. And with Milwaukee, if it's going to be a late-game situation, what's going to happen if Giannis gets double, triple team and has to give up the ball? Who's going to make that play for them? Eric Bledsoe hasn't really had a proven track record. Is he going to be able to do it? Is Chris Middleton going to be able to do it? Is somebody else, like a Meritage, somebody going to be able to, be able to do it? Um, and that's really what Milwaukee's going to have to prove, prove to us. Um, and I, but I, I'm, I'm excited about seeing it. There's going to be uh, every playoff series uh, in the Eastern Conference, the second round, looks like it's going to be a doozy. And uh, setting up a real nice conference finals as well. I'm, I'm, I think it's been a while since we can look forward to the Eastern Conference playoffs and say that they're probably more intriguing in the West. Although if we get Houston and Golden State in the second round, that's going to be pretty special too. Yeah, I know that's that's definitely like it's going to happen. But no, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. You got Milwaukee and the Bucks and. Expecting it's going to be the 76ers versus uh, Toronto, but real quick, sticking with Boston. Now they're they're a series going to be yeah they're a series ahead uh, this year. Kyrie wasn't really around last year. You just talk about the depth of it. I mean, you look at the coaching, not probably the best coming out of Boston, but I know this the depth. But do you think there could be any kind of oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just uh, uneasiness. When it gets when it gets tight in that series against Milwaukee, he asking those questions like, "Man, who team is it? Is it Kyrie or do we going to see Scary Terry kind of step up as Jalen Brown?" I mean, do you worry about that if you're Boston? Now you hear deeper with Kyrie that it might just it might not work out the way you want it to. Nah, no, I don't think they I don't think they're worried about that at all because they know for a fact that Kyrie's gonna be that guy, and if they aren't certain about it. 
uh, whoever inbounds the ball, he's going to get it to Kyrie. He's going to make sure that he's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and if he needs to get if he needs to get open, he needs to get his shot. He's going to break down whoever's in front of him with some kind of jerky. You know, uh, he'll pro, he's going to show those handles that he don't get to the bucket. He don't get a bucket. Um, he's been doing that his whole career, uh, and he's he he's one of the few guys who you can say that when the bright lights are on and the stage gets bigger. He he steps up. He performs. Um, you know that that shot he hit against um, you know Golden the State. Warriors in Game Seven. That wasn't some fluke. You know that was years of preparation. That was years of like wanting to be in those moments and in, and embracing it the minute it came his way. So I don't think the Boston gonna have that problem. But I think they know who their guy is. And and if it hasn't been clear, you know, throughout the course of the season, uh, he's made it clear over the course of his career. Look, let me ask you this real quick. I think we all expect GSW to win the title this year. But looking at the teams that I believe, and this wasn't just recently, Mike. Was I was saying this when Chris Paul came back that oh, I thought Houston, Houston was, probably, was, was peaking again and perhaps has a chance. Not that they should win, but looking at uh, – I have Houston and I have Milwaukee as the two teams that I have ranked the highest as far as beating uh, GSW. Do you have a different team? And out of those two teams, which one do you think has the better chance to take GSW out if anyone can? Uh, I've been leaning towards uh, Boston just because they have the talent mm-hmm. and they have like the uh, versatility with their lineups that they can actually throw different things at the Warriors. And they, they went and beat them pretty handily in the regular season, although who, who knows if that meant anything, uh, considering how the Warriors took some games off in the regular season. Uh, but I, I w- if I had to rank them, i go Boston one. i go Houston next because they clearly were right there. Up three two in the conference finals last year, and they're deeper this year. They're better. They're a better team than they were last year. So, um, and James Harden is playing the best basketball of his career, which is incredible since he was MVP last year, and he might not win MVP this year. It tells you how great Giannis has been too. Um, but I think that if it would be Boston, then it would be Houston, and then it would be Milwaukee, and then after that it'd be Toronto. I think the team that could give you know those say a real good run for their money. Dean Davis on the line right now, Michael Lee, senior writer for the Athletic NBA. Real quick, so you're telling me before the playoffs you still have Boston as the number one team? Because you're looking in the crystal yeah. ball how that team was playing. I know you said that looking at their regular season performance no, to get them, but I'm just saying I, if you still had it all in for them, you the man, man. No, I did because I was I looked at the talent. Okay, and, I, and for me, I'm I was blind. I'm blinded by the talent. It's like walking in with a platinum diamond necklace, man. I'm looking at it, and I can't take my eyes off of it. That's what the Celtics are coming into the playoffs. And I know that they dropped it in the mud a couple of times, but once they wipe it off and you get that shine, man, it's still right there. Like, oh, snap, they have a lot of talent. They got Kyrie Irving. They got Gordon Hayward, who is you know, coming back from injury, but he's still like he's finding a rhythm. They got Jalen Brown, a guy who's having 30-point games in the playoffs. They got Jason Tatum. A guy who you know wants it in the, in the he got like a Kyrie gene in him where he wants it when the stage is bigger. And you got Al Horford, a guy who hasn't really had a breakthrough um, in terms of getting to the finals, but has been there his entire career, 12 years. You can count on Al Horford being there playing in, in games that matter. So uh, when you look at that roster, you look at that talent, yeah, they have a proven track record. They got the squad that's been to the final conference finals the last two years. So um, I know that they got they have a lot of things they got to work out in terms of chemistry, but when it's playoff time, you can put all that other stuff aside, man, and say, hey, if we come together for this, these two months, we wind up with a ring, you know, we can worry about all that other stuff afterward. We can worry about getting paid after this. We can worry about uh, who's going to go where in free agency after this. But right now, what we got is special. We can do something. 
So that's kind of what I, I saw. Now, if Milwaukee wins, I'm not going to be shocked. But I just feel like, hey, I'm not going to jump on and off a bandwagon. I'm not going to stay on until I'm shoved off. So there you go. you're saying when the light hit the ice, it twinkled and glistened. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just with a little bit of green diamonds since, in since, there. Since you don't love hip hop no more, I guess I thought I'd give you that one uh, real quick. <laughs> you, you, you take. Hey, but the words love and like both have four letters. It's just two different things all together. But we can talk about some other things. There you I got go. to use that. There you one. go. That's a good one. You've been using that one for a minute. You don't hurt some girls' hearts with that one. <laughs> I know you don't yeah. pull that one out like <laughs> love and life. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, he hurt me. Stop, yeah. stop talking to me like that, Mike. Stop talking to me like real quick. And you know how dire our situation here is, here is in Chicago. So not saying that the Bulls would necessarily uh, be a team that should get this type of props. But you look at the teams like the Bucks and the Nuggets, teams that were on the periphery of the playoffs last year or, or teams at the very bottom. We know the Bucks just missed it with the, the, the last game of the season. I mean, the, the, the Nuggets did. What are the teams, if, if two, that you can see right now that are on the edge of the playoffs, maybe they're the AFCs or something like that, or outside of the playoffs that can ha- perhaps take another step, and if they're not necessarily contending, be huge teams on the rise next season? Um, I like what Atlanta's doing. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be before they are able to you know, become a playoff team or turn the corner, but I like what they're building there. That's going to be a team I'm going to be looking uh, at down the road. Um, I like what the Clippers are doing. They're, I mean, they're obviously you know in the playoffs now, but I think that they are setting the culture, and they got a really exciting young backcourt with uh, the rookies with uh, with uh, SGA. I can't really say his name, Shy, and uh, and Landry Shamit. Um, and I think that they, they the Clippers are a team that I'm really excited about, especially they can wind up landing a Kawhi or a KD or even a Jimmy Butler in free agency. If they can add you know a, a nice you know wing player. I think that they be they're moving in the right direction because they they got a culture right now that I, and, they, and they're in LA so I think people will be excited and then, you know the Nets are getting kind of throttled right now but I like what they're building too yeah. um, you know the fact that they're turning around pretty quickly so uh, those are the teams that kind of jump out I, I can't think of a fringe like playoff team that I'm like oh yeah I think they're almost there because I think they it's just it's gonna take time for a lot of these teams that that they were you know that had rough years this year. Michael, I want to kick it back over to the playoffs and now West. Uh, thoughts on the Denver Spurs series? And is that whoever wins that, is it still a toss-up between uh, with Portland, or do you think Portland is a better team out of the two? Uh, I think Portland is a better team. Um, and I think that, you know, they have a lot more to prove. Um, I think Denver is a team that, you know, I really like what they've done all year. Uh, I think that they're going to come out in this series. It may take seven games to do it, but I think they'll come out because they, they have the deeper team. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested to see it after the second round. But I just think Portland wins that, and it gets a chance to go to the conference finals. Um, and whoever they get, if Houston gets an upset, um, I think Portland could really give them a series. I think Portland could even upset them if they if that happens. If they get the Warriors again, then you know, hey, thanks for coming out. God bless at night. But yeah. uh, but I think if there's anybody else but them, I think Portland it gets it gets pretty wide open for them at that. And your thoughts on what's going on with Sacramento it's Sacramento Kings and Luke Walton. They have the allegations against him of sexual assault, I believe. Uh, do you think this is yeah. a case of where teams just kind of rush real quick to go out there and get that guy and maybe it's a time like, you know what, let's just wait. Not saying they probably knew what was going to happen. He just but had it, a job, though. Yeah, so but, clearly they didn't notice that that was coming. Yeah, but he had the job way before he even walked out the door. I'm just, yeah, is I, is I, this I the case of just kind of waiting a little bit? I think that was just lined up. I think yeah. that once they knew that 
that he was probably going to get fired by the Lakers, that that was the opening that they had wanted all along. I mean, from what I heard, Vlade Divac wanted to hire Luke Walton in 2016 before the Lakers got to him. And mm-hmm. once he did, he, he kind of settled for Jaeger. But, like, once I think it was pretty clear, like, probably in February that Luke was going to be fired at the end of the season, <laughs> even if they made it to the playoffs, um, I think they kind of had that thing lined up. Because not often a guy gets fired and is hired before he even gets a chance to um, – the ink dry on, on you know any on anything you know it's like he he walked he walked out the door and into another like immediately yeah and uh but I think that was that was sort of set up that was lined up and I I don't understand the situation enough to speak on it um it, I mean he's already come out and denied that it happened I don't know um whenever you have these kind of situations it's really tough to speculate but I know for a fact that Sacramento wanted Luke Walton for the last for the last three years and they just waited for the opening and clearly they, they hopped in the moment. They had their first chance. Yeah, Mike, I mean, you come joining us. He want to hit you with the rape question. Hey, listen, it's a big Brother, NBA story oh, right now. Man, we trying to sit here and socialize hey, and enjoy we gotta, ourselves. We got to talk about everything. Look, <laughs> real quick, going to back to NBA futures, I've always I, – I liked the trade last year of moving out DeMar DeRozan, even though at the time you didn't know LeBron was definitely going to leave, even though I think we all kind of felt he was leaving out of the East. And even if it failed when it comes to necessarily them being able to re-sign uh, Kawhi, you can flip it over and start over again. And, and looking at a player like Pascal Siakam, like looking at what his future may be with the length and how my man's can get to that rim and even kind of knocking down the three, what are your thoughts on his game and where he may be moving forward in the NBA? Like how high do you you view his ceiling? Oh, man, it's really tough to say because I didn't expect he'd be this good. You know, um, I, I think that he's on, he's on a track. I mean, he's on that, that path where he could be like a Giannis Light. Yeah. You know, um, he's clearly the second best player on the Raptors this year, and some nights he's the best player as he was in Game Three, you know, in Orlando. Um, so I just think that he's a guy that you can look to. I mean, he's the one impressive stat about him this year, and I, I, it's not like I, the numbers might be a little off, but this is why I think he was the most improved player by a lot this year. Like I don't even think it was close. Um, last year, I think he was assisted on seventy-six percent of his shots last year, or something close to that. He's, Basically, three-fourths of his shots were assisted by somebody else. This year, it was close to 50% of his shots were assisted, which means that he was creating stuff off the dribble. Like, he was doing things that he was not able to do last year. And to me, that shows improvement. So I don't really want to put a cap on him and say he can be this or that because he's already made a huge leap to me, and he's become probably their most dependable player in that he played practically every game. And so Kyle Lowry felt comfortable taking nights off, uh, Kawhi Leonard was able to get load managed, you know, for 22 games, and no, and they didn't they didn't have to worry about anything because this kid was coming in like I got it, and to me, that's what made it very impressive. So uh, I can say he can be this and that, but he's already exceeded what I thought he could be for a guy going 27. Just like I give Masai Jury a lot of credit because of what he's been able to build to the back end of the draft with second-round picks and undrafted players. And that's why I always feel like a lot of NBA teams feel like, well, we got to strike it big with lottery picks. we got to strike it big and tank. we got to do this and that. No, if you have good scouts and you have and you can see and tell who can play, you can make wise decisions and build a team that way. And you don't have to just get lucky and hope that you wind up getting a franchise cornerstone. You can find one and develop one. Because we see right now the MVP of the league was drafted 13th. Okay, so you don't have to be the number one pick to be a star in this league. 
Dean Davis on the line right now, Michael Lee, senior writer for the Athletic NBA. Michael, this is my last one. Uh, bringing it here in Chicago, still sticking with futures. Uh, what do you like and dislike about the structure of this Bulls team and perhaps their coaching staff? Um, I like what the I like what they're doing. Um, I think it depends on what they wind up getting in the draft, like what their pick winds up being. Um, but I'm pretty optimistic about their future. I mean, I love the way Zach Levine uh, come on. Uh, I really want, want to see Laurie Markkinen take the next step. I know he had some injuries this year that sort of held him back. Um, but I'd like to see him, you know, make the progression that I think the Bulls are hoping uh, because he has a lot of talent. He has a lot of ability. We know that. He just hasn't been able to bring it consistently, and that's the next step. That's, that's what you have to do to really be an elite player in the league and be somebody that you can count on, not somebody that you just celebrate every time they have a good game. And I think he has to take that leap. Otto Porter's a great um, locker room guy. He's a good team player. He knows how to play the right way. He's a smart player. So he's a good piece to have on your team. I know people make want to get caught up in the contract, but you know, if you if you're not writing a check, you don't need to sweat it. You know, just worry about what a dude can play and contribute. And he can. Um and I think that, you know, Jim Boylan, you know, he's got the confidence of the organization right now. They seem to be behind him. And that's really um what what every coach needs. And I think at that point the players are gonna have to buy in. Paxson has proven that there's a certain type of coach that he likes, you know, going from Scott Skiles to Tibbs to now this guy, he wants somebody who's going to be a grinder and in, in, in your face, and that's sort of what seems to you know get Paxson off. So if that's the kind of coach you're going to have, that's, that's what you're going to get used to, and, and you're going to have to deal with it. But if they get a John Morant or somebody like in, in the lottery, I like what they're doing. <laughs> but it's just, I think a lot depends on what they do in terms of getting a lottery pick. Because I don't think they anticipated they'd be as bad as they were this year, but they were, and um, <laughs> you just got to take the blessing that you might get a good player out of it and, and go on from there. Yeah, they were bad. Uh, last one for me, man. Who you got for MVP? I, I, said, I think I've said it like 10 times. Giannis, Giannis. Giannis There you go. Right. We don't have to overthink this. Best player on the best team. Historic season. He's had, he has it all. Uh, the defensive metrics. You know, James Harden's had a remarkable year. But again, when I talk about Milwaukee, Teddy, dependable all year long. There's been no slip-up. There's been nothing like people say James dug his team up out of a hole. Well, you also got to give him credit for digging the hole. So Giannis never did that to his squad. So he's been MVP all season. My only problem with that. We got some We got some coins on this my only, right here, Michael. My only problem with that, because I agree with you, the old rule should stand, best player on best team. Yep. But they threw that out the window when they gave it to Russ. They did, and I was not happy with I that. Would, listen, I mm-hmm. I said then he should if he, if he had gotten to the third in the West, maybe I would have said forget it, uh, give it to him because of that season. But back in the days, four a player with the, the fourth or worst record in his conference getting MVP was, that's crazy. Was, and, and to me, like and I, I like Russ, and so I didn't really want to say anything to like seem like I was bashing him during that period. But for me, my, my argument was always this: there was like, well, he's never—it's never been done. It's been 50 years since somebody had a triple double. I'd be like, yeah, but what happens when he gets a triple double next year? Because he's going to get it again next year. Mm-hmm. Is he going to get? Is he, is he automatically get the MVP just because no one else has ever done it? I said, and, and also the last time a player averaged a triple double, I said he, he Do you didn't know get the MVP. Who was MVP that year? No, he it didn't. Was not, uh, Roscoe. Yeah, it wasn't. And it was not. It was Bill Russell. But do you know what Will Chamberlain did that year? Yeah, with the 50, he was averaging like 50. He averaged points. 50 and yeah. 25. Yeah. A dude averaged 15 and 25 and get MVP? I don't want to hear about a triple-double. But see, <laughs> and then listen, and, and, and going along with that, that's probably why James Harden's going to get the MVP this year. 
You said he will or won't. I'm a Giannis guy. I said Ken, this to Ken thinks that uh, Harden's going to get it. I've been I've been touting the I same think, thing. Think, we all I been kind of saying the same thing about Giannis. Close. I think it's going to be close, but mm-hmm. um, but but you know I, I think that he Giannis has has been so good. Milwaukee hasn't had the best record in the NBA in 45 years since Lou Alcindor. I mean. I think he's the MVP. So right. and I, we don't have to overthink it. it, 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 it it's right there for you. You yeah. got to come back. There you go, Mike. Well, hey, man. Yeah, exactly. You can't just words right out of my mouth, man. You got to come back, man. Hop on with us. Love talking All basketball. Right, cool. Have a good All one, right. bro. Take care. All right, and that was Michael Lee, senior writer for the Athletic. Make sure you follow Michael on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. That was good, man. Yeah, it was a good talk right there. Yeah, I still think uh, James Harden's going to get that. And I'm, I, I I'm with. Know. I look. I, if the rule hadn't been broken, I'm with you. But also, so, but we know now that in this microwave society, and this what have you done for me lately? And look at what he just said. Wilt was tw- fifty and twenty five. The big O average triple double. He still didn't get it. But and I know the rules were different back then because of course people may appreciate winning and it's happened more back in the days. But you but always I have think, these little blips though. You have a little blip like that. Yeah, but we didn't reward them. That blip could have been Russell Westbrook. But we didn't reward them with MVPs for the blip. No, I'm saying, though, this could have been the blip. That could be a blip. Russ could have been the blip, and then you kind of go back to it. You don't think we're going to go back to it. No, I think it'll always be, if he, as long as a guy's in on a losing team, mm-hmm. if he has a phenomenal season, he's definitely in it. And growing up, it was never really like that. I agree with you. I know. So I, I know it, it broken, 100%. Yeah. And looking at a guy averaging 36 points a, a, a game, playing in a tougher conference, where he got his team from when they were out. And I'm with him when he said that they he, he had part. He helped getting them in but, that but hole, too. But see, the problem when you're saying that, you can't say someone helped getting you in that hole when your teammates are hurt. You did Like, help getting that hole is— It me, was a style me, of play, though, that kind of got him in that hole. And also, to the no, same time, it was, it was a style of play that got him out of the hole. No, it was. It was. I think it had more to do with the fact that they, the, the changes that they did in the off season, yeah. they weren't used to. Uh, Bizdelic wasn't there. They had to pull him out of retirement. Mm-hmm. You, they had to make up for Trevor Reza li, uh, uh, missing initially, and then on top of that, compounded by. I mean, you got to remember how early Chris Paul went down. We yeah, was like, yeah. as soon as we was like, that's why you don't give him that money. Mm-hmm. Clint Capella going down, mm-hmm. so he didn't dig a hole when the other. Two and his his big three are gone. Uh, digging a hole is is I hate to say this. It's kind of if let's just say the beginning of the season uh, before um, uh, Oklahoma City went on that run in the mid middle of the year. Mm-hmm. Like you could say that Russell put them in a hole with his bad shooting because they had that full accoutrement when it comes to the players on that team. You could say his performance hurt them because he wasn't playing well. But with James Harden, you can't necessarily say that when his guys were out at the. That's not on him that they're out. So that's no, that's my only thing as far as saying right. that he does he. He didn't necessarily dig it when his, the guys that help him dig are gone. If all the diggers are there and I'm not digging, then you can put that on me. But if the other diggers are gone, you just can't say I dug the he hole. He had to do what he had to do, as you said before, because the guys were out. But with Giannis, it's been consistent all the way through. Right. Now, we just got to see if that blip, if it was truly a blip with Russ and it kind of goes back to normal or, you know, you could be 100% right. It could be James because of what he did when he was able to keep his team and then a third seed in the West. 100%. We're going to come back on the other side of this break and close this show out. Uh, probably talk a little bit more uh, NBA before we get up out of here or just some of the stuff that took place in the sports world today. Dean Davis. Yo, what's up? This is Rashid Hadi, and you're listening to the Dean Davis Show. Yeah. Dean Davis Show, last segment of the show. Uh, going to hit you with some quick hitters right here. First up, 
um, asked this before with Mr. Hub Arkish. Robbie Gold is uh, holding out from the San Francisco 49ers. Now, this could be the simple fact that he just don't, he doesn't want to be there. He wants to be closer to home. Hey, I went after and we talked about this. I don't know if we talked about it live. What? But we talked about this like a week ago, the Gradkowski leverage move that he pulled with the, uh, the 49ers to get the New England Patriots to re-sign him. And Robbie Gold also points that out as a reason. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care to be back. But we're here in Chicago recording a 670 score. Shout out to Mitch and everybody here taking care of us. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're the Bears, do you go around? Do you make some phone calls? Like, I know you want to be back they here. They have already. So what's the what, so what's the, this, this the question? If you are the Bears and you're negotiating with the, uh, with the 49ers, what is the compensation in this? What, what do you have to give up to get a kicker? Because a lot of people and people who, and people we've had on the show is like, man, listen, you can find kickers on the street. That's the majority of times we find is where Robbie Gold came from. So why would you want to leverage some future uh, your your future maybe future pick for but a we're kicker? We're talking about Hub said seven round picks, seventh round, seven picks. round pick, right? So that wouldn't be terrible leverage. We basically we're saying it'd probably be a seven this year and a seven next year. Uh, maybe, I do maybe, that. If that's the case. See, my only thing getting is getting back the most accurate kicker, damn it, ever. The, well, two things. One, you only got five draft picks this year, so I'm with you though. Who knows what the, the seventh is going to be relevant? Yeah. But the thing is, the salary that Robbie would command is Robbie coming back, even though he he wants to get paid, but not going to get paid with the 49ers, or perhaps, or what he was willing, what he was trying to get from the 49ers is what I should say. Mm-hmm. If they're at a, if they've been at a contract impasse because they don't think a kicker, I would think they know how great he is, but a kicker should deserve the type of salary that he's asking for. Mm-hmm. Do the Bears want to pay that? Is he is he going to come here and be willing instead of perhaps seeking five million, take a three million dollar, three and a half million dollar deal? So the Bears who are getting closer to being cap hit won't necessarily uh, be constrained because again and 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 then even with that what happened if what happens if this first year he isn't the Robbie that he's been out there in, in, in uh, Santa Clara. I mean, he's going to be back at the lake, back with the swirling winds. I'm not saying he's going to be bad because even when he, that last year where they, they released him, it was one of those things where kickers go through this. Like, that's what you, if you have a kicker for a decade, he's going to have a year where you'd be like, what you doing? You know, so kickers go through that. If you value him, you you work through it. Now, Hub explained to us that it was his his positional coach, special team coach, was the, the guy that started to, to, to make the move to get uh, uh, Fox and uh, Ryan Pace to, to get Robbie, I mean, out of the box. Um, it'll be cool. I mean, the Bears, I'll, only reason I'll say the Bears should do it because I will kind of say they shouldn't, the Bears are in a championship window. So if you're you in a championship. You can be a cherry on top. Yeah, if you're in a championship window. And it, this is even going with, with Hub and the Jordan Howard thing because to me, the only reason really to trade Jordan Howard now is because you're doing him a solid. And you felt like he stayed low last year and didn't complain when what the Bears were doing last year affects his contract value. Because if the Bears go like with Nagy coming in, if he rushes again for 1,400 yards, the hype around him is going to be people are going to be like, yeah, you, I know you know about Zeke and all that, but y'all need to be checking. Like he's going, the is going to be out there. His value will be higher hitting free agency. Now it won't necessarily. So because the Bears should have held on to him because if there's a situation where a running back gets hurt. And you don't have an adequate running back the rest of the season. People are gonna be like, "Why the hell did you get rid of Jordan mm-hmm. Howard?" So that's my, my that's my caveat as far as, as the Robbie situation. Go ahead. Question for you guys with Robbie Gold. The McCaskies have always said since Ryan Pace has been hired, and even before then, 
they don't get involved with any type of player personnel stuff. Do you think that they may put some pressure on Ryan Pace, knowing it's the championship window, knowing that this would be a great PR redemption type story, something that they can kind of sell on top of everything else that they have going on? I mean, it would definitely be a feel good thing because I think Robbie is missed. But this is where your front office has to oversee or uh, 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 take over when it comes to like emotions and feelings and things of that nature. You got to look at your team and say, listen, does this work? Does does he hurt the cap? You got to ask those kind of questions. I do personally believe that he probably is a cherry on top. Now, you know, we got to make sure that Mitchell Trubisky takes another step. We got to see how Chuck Pagano uh, influences defense. We got to make sure all these guys are healthy. The Bears, for the most part, had a pretty healthy season last year. Khalil Mack was out for a couple of games. Mitch Trubisky was out to a couple still. of games. But still, though, that's that's they came away clean and everybody last out year. For the, anybody that factored in out for the entire season. Yeah, they came away very, very clean. So you have to kind of factor those things in. Like I said before, I do think that he probably is the cherry on top, but you can't let a redemption story or a PR feel-good story push away your actual... X's and O's in your actual football knowledge. So I would hope they wouldn't influence that. I, I hope so. Who knows? Who knows? It's their team. I mean, they make the decisions. But I hope they wouldn't do that. I would think they could. They would mention, hey, Robbie's out there. I think they would touch bases with Ryan Pace about it. That's what I think they would do. Like, you know, we like him. And they can be like, yeah, I know. Yeah. You know, I don't <laughs> think. Yeah, he going to be respectful. He ain't going to say it like that. And? Like, yes, sir. Virginia, what your old ass want? I know he out there. You can see him. You can still see him. Don't talk to mommy. Yeah. (laughs) I think they would uh, touch base with Ryan Pace and be like, what are your thoughts on it? And leave it at that. I think they they would do their due diligence as far as checking in to see like, hey, you know what's going on with uh, this Robbie thing? And after he tells them how he's looking at it and gives them his plan, I think they would allow him to execute his plan. Yeah, Virginia ain't Jerry Jones. Well, we're talking about about Michael, though, probably more than Virginia. I don't even think Michael. You mean George? Thank you, George. George, yeah. George no, buddy. I'm still talking about Michael McCaffrey. <laughs> but George isn't like Jerry Jones. He's not that kind of an owner, I don't think. I think I'm with you, Ken. He'll probably just kind of sweaty hey, Teddy know, comes you know, on You in. know Robbie out there in them streets. You don't want to be there. What you thinking? Get me Robbie Gall. No, I, I don't see that. Ben Roethlisberger is probably going to end up getting a new deal. Uh, but it, it looks like the before, the, I don't know if it's before the draft, but before camp, oh, camp opens up. Uh, the the Pittsburgh Steelers. We knew he was gonna get a new deal because it's clearly and he was like Antonio Brown and me. You got to get this black guy about it. Jokes. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I but, hope that was not. <laughs> and he's like, I like it when you talk like that, Ben. No, I'm joking. Rooney's, of course, aren't that type of people. But um, no. Rooney Roo, what? <laughs> exactly. mm, give it to me right, um, Ben. They don't even know. <laughs> the only, I, I, I mean, in a way, and I hate to say this about a championship winning quarterback, they're caught between a rock and a hard spot. Um, because a hard place, because what are you going to do, uh, even though this guy has threatened to retire the last three seasons, what are you going to do when you got a quarterback this good and you're afraid of replacing him or the the unassurance of replacing him and you, you kind of got to go along with it? Do you? He's 37 years old. The way the NFL goes, you can now have quarterbacks play into their 40s, maybe at least early 40s. I'm not going to say no further than that. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady is a freak of nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peyton Manning had a fused neck, but basically rode with the rest of the team to win another Super Bowl. I'm, I would, I would hope that they would kind of look at him and say, "Okay, I know you want to get paid." Russell Wilson just got a hell of a deal, number one paid uh, player in the NFL, no doubt. 
So I'm, I don't know if they would say like, okay, Ben, now you're the number one paid player in the NFL, but you are allotting a lot of money to a guy who, as Ken said, has already threatened you to leave, to retire, just flat out retire. And do you expect him to still be that same quarterback? Russell Wilson, is is he 30 yet? He's no. 30, 20, he's either 29 or 30. How long is his deal? Uh, Russell's is six years, I believe. Yeah, so he's like 28. He's 28? Like okay, somewhere all right. Somewhere around there. Because he's only been in the league for seven seasons. Yeah, it, it, yes, yeah, yes. So he's around 28, I believe. So you look at Ben. He's supposed who, to be like 35 when this when deal's, it, when deal's up. Yeah. So he's... You got you got it, uh, Ryan. Yeah, just one second. Oh. Well, you have been Roethlisberger, who's thirty seven years he's old. He's even young. You see those so. cornrows? He's growing. Russell Wilson's actually getting younger by the day. Hey, shout out to him. Sierra's loving is hey, the fountain of youth. Listen, the brother is winning. Thirty. Okay, he's thirty years right, old. Okay, right. he's thirty years old. But Ben is thirty seven. So you're looking to extend of what? Maybe another two. Three seasons, Between, probably. So what are we looking at? Two he, years in an option or two option years, basically. But it, he's he'll be back. I think right now his he has a salary. Uh, he's getting paid twenty one point eight million, I believe, is the he about to get thirty million. So he's gonna be 30, 30 a season for what, another two or three years. Listen, Tomlin and the boys, they haven't. I don't know if they ever had a below. 500 season they haven't made the playoffs every year but they are consistent and he is and Ben Roethlisberger as we told uh, Tony one day he's consistent he has two Super Bowls this is what you're supposed to do so I don't know I don't know how long of extension you would want to give him or what he what he wants but I'm I'll be a little uneasy about getting Ben Roethlisberger how good is Ben Roethlisberger he's damn good he's always said steal See, that's the question. That's what I'm asking. I and don't know. Especially, can he make it work with Juju Smith? Because he's lost Brown and he's lost Bell. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to see. Now we're going to see because he still he still has this year left on his deal. It could be a, hey, show me what you got. No, they're going to sign him this before the season starts. Okay. All right. There you go. Man. Um, I don't know. I, I'm with you. Man. I don't know. I think he's um, he's probably around the sixth or seventh best QB in the NFL probably right now. And the way they're dishing out money, that's $30 million. That's probably right. Last two years, though. Lose to Blake Bortles and not in the playoffs. Yeah, but think about it, a lot of people almost lost to that Jaguars team, even the Patriots. Like that that, that Jaguars, Jaguars team last year. Bills almost beat them too, though. True, but I mean, still that 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 team going into the season, I hear you. people had as a favorite. So it, I can't just put that one on you because that was that was a team right there, that Jags team. The Steelers are consistent. That's the one thing you want to do in the NFL. It's not the, them. I would say the Patriots, at least in this Patriots dynasty the Patriots. era, is them and the Patriots probably the most consistent teams out there. Probably. Maybe Seattle. next might be Baltimore. Maybe next will be Maybe Seattle. Seattle. Seattle, yeah. It's not that many. And he's been at the at the driver's seat of it. So, man, I don't know. I'd be kind of leery about it. All right. Uh, Frank Clark was traded from the Seattle uh, Seahawks to the Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. He also got a whopping deal. He's just under Russell Wilson with the amount of guaranteed money. He got like 60 mil guaranteed. Uh, we all know that the uh, Chiefs traded D4 to the 49ers and they let Houston go. Uh, I like I like this deal for Seattle because, I mean, you're going to, if, if Frank Clark can command this type of salary, 
you cannot pay him and Russell Wilson. No, you can't do that in football. And, yeah, and knowing how well their general manager drafts outside of the offensive line, you can have confidence that he can get these extra picks. They only had, I was telling you guys uh, before this trade was consummated, they only have four picks going into this draft. So to get additional picks helps them, let alone— How many the picks they get? They got, what, two, two or three? Two or three And more? they switch spaces. Yeah. Like, okay. so whoever has the, whoever the worst season gets the flip-flop to second-round picks this year. So, of course, uh, the BC, I guess— I forget how that goes because Seattle, Kansas City had the better uh, better record, yeah, better mm-hmm. record than that. Yeah. But uh, still, I, I, I like the job for uh, Seattle. I don't know for Kansas City because I wonder the value. How, I mean, they know D Ford better than anybody, but I wonder the value they placed on him compared to Frank Clark and giving Frank Clark all this money. But I can say this as a caveat for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs: their defense was terrible last year. So you can sit there and say, if you were on this defense and we sucked, then what's the point of giving you this money and knowing how he was necessarily in the locker room? But Mm. looking at Mm. Seattle and the moves they made and showing how this defense could come together last year on top of the play of Russell Wilson and getting back to the running game, I thought this was a good move by them. A question with the Frank Clark thing. Do you think maybe what played into it, because I don't remember exactly what D4 got, but I'm sure they got similar money. But the Chiefs changed to Steve Spagnola as their yeah, defensive coordinator. Yeah, more point. of a 4 3 yeah. base defense, even though you could stand up D Ford and still run your 4 3. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's why Frank Clark a little more appealing. That's probably it. I'll give you that, Ryan. That's probably yummy yeah, change. And the then you pair him up with Chris Jones yeah. on your defensive line. You're feeling pretty good about your pass rush. A change at the coordinator position. I mean, they might say like, "Oh man, yeah, let me let's get this guy. He fits it better." And also, too, you're not paying anything to Patrick Mahomes, so you can pay him. Josh Gordon, uh, if he gets off of uh, NFL suspension, uh, will be back with the Patriots. I believe he'll receive a little more than two million dollars when he comes off of suspension. Whenever. Um, Roger Goodell allows him off. Who knows how long that'll be? Yeah, he has the he has the final say. So how long he's going to be mm-hmm. out, right? Well, when he, they can reinstate, uh, reinstate him. Yeah, thank you, reinstate him. Mm-hmm. Uh, good or bad move as far as the Patriots? I mean, I think it's a good move because he's not. He's what? What are you losing? You yeah, spend a uh, lot of draft capital for right. him. You're just keeping a talented guy if he wants to come back. The Patriots. If he can't come back. Exactly. The Patriots can navigate through troubled players. Mm-hmm. So it's not like other locker rooms having a troubled player in there. Yeah. They've already had him there. We, we've talked about him missing meetings and the issues that he's going through. They definitely had that terrific article uh, that came out a couple years ago when he was almost coming back. I uh, forget if it was in the Sports Illustrated, the players. It was ESPN, I believe. Uh, terrific article. So wish him the best. And again, the Patriots are doing the Patriots. It's a, it's a sound move that can't hurt yeah. you. It's kind of like when you're in a, a fantasy draft and you just get that guy Good who's going to be be out for a while. It's like, you know what? When he right, yeah. I'm gonna bring him out. And, and they got boom. two of those guys with Demarius Thomas. Demarius too. Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, they're making Patriot moves. This is why they're consistently this is why, yes, they're an oddity when it comes to football, but the reason why they are oddity because they do things right. They're a well run organization. Basically every time too. Damn near every time. Six six Super Bowls. My goodness, man. Doing something right. Yeah. So the Los Angeles Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers, Showtime, um, interviewed Jason Kidd for their head coaching uh, position. <laughs> Thoughts on that, guys? Um, Dumb. So the guys that are in <laughs> We the, know what Ryan feels. Well, so we, we're looking at Jason Kidd uh, being a former great in, NBA great. You look at Tyron Lue, his connection with LeBron James and being a former Laker. And then you're looking at Jawan Howard, uh, who went to college with Matt Palenka. And also played on the team and coached LeBron James. Um, so two of LeBron's homeboys. 
<clears throat> and there was a who's a third? Monty Williams, but Monty Williams looks like he's going to end up with Phoenix. Yeah, Monty Williams is going to. Oh, I know Phoenix look. wants it. They got e- that's, that's good, why they got Igor. Probably they yeah. kind of Ken's kind of doing. They fired what him today. Yesterday. Sacramento thinks today. Yeah, kind of what Sacramento uh, did as far as with Mike, not Mike Malone, uh, with um, who's Sacramento's coach to this guy? J- uh, Yogurt, Joker, right? Oh, Dave Yeager. Yeager, thank Yeager. you. Dave with Yeager, Yeager. Yes. I meant to say Yeager. Uh, yeah, they, so that's who Phoenix wants. So you can think Monty Williams may be out of it. Um, it's plus, with all that talent that Phoenix has, and you put Monty Williams in there, they, they may be able to take Should off. Should be able to do it. Um, Another dry, high, high draft pick coming up, too. Um, I don't think it's bad. If you're asking me, I love Jason Kidd. If you're asking me if I want him to coach my team, um, not yet. I didn't see enough with Milwaukee, and I, even saying I forgot about his run with the Nets. Uh, right after retirement. So, no, I mean, I think the Lakers are pulling out of a small bag and it goes to this philosophy of connect, having some type of connection. And, and I know, and when I'm saying that, that's being naive because usually with any job, a lot of times people have a connection to get that job. Mm-hmm. But I think with any organization, when that starts to uh, hinder you, as it seems to start hindering the, the Lakers as far as you have to have a Laker connection, it may be wise to, 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 to flip it up and do something different. Um, I think Tyrone was going to get the job, but I have no problem with them inter- uh, interviewing Jason Kidd. Uh, but it seems like a fait accompli that Tyrone Lue, out of the guys they named, seems like the best guy to do. And he's the only guy that's won it as a coach as far as winning a championship. True, true. I mean, Jason Kidd is a L.A. guy from California. I don't know. Did he grow up in no, L.A.? from the Bay Area. From the Bay Area, right. Because so he's, he's under the uh, Gary Payton tree. Yeah, so he's a, uh, he's a California kid, though. So he'll be back home, obviously. But it comes down to what's who's comfortable and able to coach, quote unquote, I'm putting my f- fingers up there, uh, coach LeBron James and able to kind of work what they have right now. We don't even know if this team is going to look like this team at the beginning of the season because you still got the off. We, you're in, you're going to have the offseason coming up and then you have the draft and trades can possibly still happen. So it's going to come down to exactly how LeBron favors this. I'm sure Jenny Buss and um uh, what's the Rob GM? Rob, yeah, Rob Polinka is uh, talking to LeBron James and probably his crew, if you want to say. Uh, but it comes down to that. Okay, you just got to Jackson. Hmm? Okay, Phil Jackson. What? His crew. What's wrong with his crew? Say his management. Next you're going to say oh, his, yeah, say well, his yeah. posse. Well, <laughs> <laughs> good point. Good call. Um, but I'm, obviously, I think everything has to go through LeBron James right now. And, and deservedly so. He's the greatest player in the NBA right now. Do you think they would get along? Jason, Jason Kidd's head coach, LeBron's he's, player, he's, and calm He's kind of prickly. I think he's kind of prickly. And I think he the one. out is welcome everywhere he's gone. He so has. Giannis loved him, though. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. He can't come in and say, like, listen, if he wanted to steal some of that shine was going on with Milwaukee, he's like, man, listen, look, look what I kind of developed up there. Man, you need to go ahead and let me kind of work this way with these younger guys. LeBron ain't going to be here forever. I won't go nowhere, though. You know, come on, Jenny. Uh, he can at least kind of say that when it comes to uh, in the interview status, but. No, man, Ty Lue, he's won a championship with LeBron James. Obviously, like I said before, LeBron James is going to be a big influence on this decision. Uh, but, no, it's cool that he got I, And I want I want to see I want to see guys get other opportunities and other chances and other interviews within the NBA. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's good to see that, too. Did love Jason as a player. I loved him. Loved him. Oh, yeah. Strongly oh, yeah. Loved him. One oh, yeah. of the greatest point guards of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he won that title, it would have been cemented. But he just didn't have. He yeah. got a title. 
Not meant like when he was the league. With, 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 with the Nets? Yeah. That would yeah, I mean, they just went up to the junk. They went against the junk. Yeah, but Pistons beat them. Yeah, but that's also I because I'm just Carl Malone was hurt. <laughs> yeah, but Carl Malone wasn't hurt. That wouldn't have been no. They would have probably yeah, won. Carl Malone, if Carl Malone was playing like he played against KG in the conference finals, yeah. and you add him to what took place with Detroit, there's a good, let's that was forty old Carl Malone people, too. And he forget, was still like, hooping. Gary Payton didn't fit well. Both of them didn't necessarily fit great in the triangle. But Carl Malone was averaging like sixteen and nine. Yeah, right. Like he was hooping. Yeah, like and it's Carl Malone. And he's number three. Yeah. Like, I'm just, yeah, like I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's and he's getting sixteen and nine because he has to wait till Kobe and Shaq gets theirs before he gets his. When he used to just eat and eat and having one of the greatest passes in the game, and John Stockton set him up in Utah. Mail him. Did he play in any of those games in the finals? No, he was hurt. Well, he got hurt in the Western Conference Finals, right? Mm-hmm, got okay, hurt. all right. Yeah. Yeah, so think about if you had him and Kobe was trying to get Shaq out of it. <laughs> let's just keep it. Let's keep it buck real quick. No, that's uh, that's about it. Uh, your your pick, right? I don't mean to cut you off, but your pick right now is Tyrone Lue to get that job. Yeah, I think it is. I, I, to me, to be honest with you, he wouldn't be my pick. I think if I was someone, and I know you're worried about this, and this is a, this is the only problem. You have this small window with LeBron, and you don't want to waste a lot of time with it. Tyrone Lue has been there. I would give LeBron what he has never had. And I would try to find either who's a great coach right now that's a chance that I may be able to pull to me. Now, most of the great coaches have good organizations, and why would you want to go to an organization that even though they brought LeBron seems to still be in turmoil with what happened with Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka, whatever took place with the Lakers. But I would either look to get a great coach right now that's uh, that's on another team, and I, I could say a coach that's retired and the only guy that sticks to my mind. I, I will wonder if people would feel like he's too old and he almost coached LeBron at one point. Uh, in Cleveland would be uh, Larry Brown. And, oh, you say that, but Larry Brown. Look, Larry Brown. And I ain't heard that name in a while. Didn't this team get the death penalty not that long hey, ago? He was trying to win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. Doesn't SMU always kind of get close to For the death penalty? For real. Like, that's the, they feel like if they this don't get do. close to the death yeah, it's like, man, wait, wait. Are, y'all got the death penalty? Not y'all ain't trying hard enough. <laughs> Booster Central over there. So, yeah, I, I don't know if anybody out uh, I don't know. It'll be. It'll be. I, I do think if uh, which name was up wasn't up in New York, he'll be have a good shot. Uh, he definitely would. Uh, Fisdale, thank you, thank David Fisdale. Yeah, he definitely would. But I like the fact of uh, Jawan Howard name being kind of put out there too. I yeah, like. Dave I like Yeager, that Do anything for you? The Sacramento Kings coach that was let go. Nah, probably not. Nah, probably not. It's gonna have to. It's gonna have to. It, that coach gonna have to have a little bit of name. Some kind. What of about way. Monty? Monty Williams. I kind of would have felt that Monty one. But again, he's not a championship coach. But I, I haven't had an affinity for Monty Williams since he was a player at Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and he had a heart issue. So I'm, I'm kind of biased when it comes to Monty Williams. So, but I think that I would look like again, Eric Spoelstra is not leaving Miami. No, there's rumors out there talking about uh, Jenny's trying to get a big big Pat name Rowley. and Pat Rowley. Coming Pat to Rowley has ownership. Pat Rowley has ownership in Miami. That's why he left the Knicks. The Knicks. He had to sell it, and Jenny had to give him some of that ownership exactly. out there. Exactly. If he's oh, yeah. gonna come back there. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, which is probably not gonna happen. You know yeah, he's that Carlisle's country at his age. Man, please. He's all right. He's the, either way. He's in the fun of the sun. He's like this. This sound feel the this same. This man life is silk. But um, Carlisle's he not right. gonna leave Mark Cuban with the fact that Mark Cuban trusts him. 
Um, I don't think Brad Stevens would leave the uh, Boston, even though Brad Stevens hasn't really had a good year. And we're talking about vets who have equity in the NBA. Wasn't Izzo in the running to be the Cleveland Cavaliers coach at yes, one point? Yes, but LeBron wonder- left. But I wouldn't bring in a college coach in this situation either because he still has to learn how to do it. Let's not forget Izzo getting in the kid's face. And I'm not knocking him getting in the kid's face. But that that form of going at a player, it's the NBA. He, he can't out. use that in the NBA. So it wouldn't the trail be time. spree. Wheel. It wouldn't be time to do that. Um, yeah. And I that's mean, a gamble. Look at like uh, Billy Donovan yeah, at Oklahoma it City. Worked, it yeah. hasn't worked out. And I love has he been Billy that Donovan. much better than yeah? Yeah, he has. Uh, Scott Brooks. Scott Brooks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's better. I'll tell you this: if he had KD now, because he it took him, he had to learn. True. The thing about it, he only had KD one year. One year. You threw yeah. him in there, and he's getting he's getting uh, he's getting used to the NBA. If he had these seasons now with KD, I think that that team, look at where it's at now, would be better because we know KD usually has been healthy after the foot injuries mm-hmm, have, mm-hmm. have been taken care of. Mm-hmm. And I think Scott, uh, I think Scotty Brooks, Scotty Brooks, man, was just rolling the ball out, and you would have thought he would have been changes when he got to Washington, and it necessarily wasn't. So I still would say because look. Again, we're talking about the pros versus college. But Billy Donovan has won in the in, in the college Two, back twice, to back. back to back. Yeah. So I still would give him and say he's a better coach because it, you have to say he has less talent than what Scott Brooks. So let's let's not forget Scott Brooks had James Harden come off the bench. <sighs> All right, <laughs> like think about that. Ibaka. Yeah, like I KD, mean, the amount of Harden. talent yeah, that man. Scotty Brooks Russ. had compared to Billy Donovan had. Just think about that. I think if you gave Billy Donovan four years with that. They probably would have lost in the final. Probably. So that's what happened to Scott Brooks, though. He lost in the final. Yeah, but still, you get what I mean. <laughs> so when Oklahoma City loses to Portland and then they're watching Durant versus Harden, are they all throwing up to themselves? Easily. It's not even a question. Because you're also feeling Man. like we're never going to get further than this. And the fact of how Russ plays. Uh, well, is he the worst out of those three? But yeah. Who? Out Russ? of James Harden and out of KD. Yeah, he is. Yes, James Harden is a better player than, regardless of how you feel about him defensively, James Harden. If you ask me that I can start my team with James Harden or Russell Westbrook, I'm taking James Harden every day. And Kevin Durant's just an obvious. It's not even a question. It's not a question about that. Mm. Look at what look at what James Harden did by himself. Think about this: what James Harden did by himself in Houston. Yeah, Russ hasn't done that. Russ hasn't gotten 50 wins by himself Russ, in the West. James, James Harden is a clear number one. The thing with Russ, you got to have that number two, or he can be the number two. But he has I to was play a, with him. But, true, but if if Paul George's shoulders wasn't banged up, this series would probably be a little bit more competitive than what it is. But the problem with And they be, got one game out of it, and that's the one game I think Paul George yeah, was like 30-something points. The Trailblazers don't have Nurkic. They don't, but I think. But you look at what Portland's been able to do, though. This is the third, or second, or third year they've been in the number three seed. They're a damn good second, team. Yeah, they're, they're a damn good oh, yeah. team. Oh yeah, you can't take that away. You can't say that about uh, Oklahoma City. No, so hmm. no. I think the problem, even if Paul George was healthy, they would be better. But it's still oh, yeah. about Russ. My man was an MVP conversation. Up. He really wasn't. Really, he was that, an MVP conversation. People were saying, even when they were saying, Paul it, it was George like, was, was bowling. Let me ask you a question. He was bowling. He's not better than James Harden. How are you going to be an MVP when another dude on your team is getting a triple double? Because uh, that's what Russ do, I'm right? Just, didn't we stop? Didn't we establish that? Saying, that's what Russ do. It's not even his team. I, no, I I, right? I agree. It's, it's not. It, he's not the he's not the name. But I think what we're trying to I think how much you think about it like this? What I'm trying to say Out of is everybody he, else that's in the MVP yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in the MVP rest. Race, mm-hmm. their team 
wins and falls and all the blame is placed on, placed on them. I, I, He's I, not I, even getting that. I understand what you're saying, and you're right about that. Mm-hmm. All I'm trying to say is with Russ, he needs that super number two if he's— or does, no, no, or, he needs or, to or, be see, the number two. Or, that, then you That's know. the thing. He that needs could be 100% to too. fall he into fall number two. And that was, but that was a good thing about Russ this season, though, allowing, because he could be very bull, bullheaded, you know what I'm saying, allowing Paul George to flourish. That's why I was kind of like, whoa, okay, this might work. And they had a hell of a run. All I'm trying to say is when Paul George's shoulders went limpy, they didn't have that series against Paul, but I mean against Portland. But hey, I need it is more tape. Funny thing, tape me up. It just go. crossed my mind. <laughs> it just crossed my mind. With the amount of people bailing on Russell, Russell Westbrook, and it definitely sounds like we're doing that. But what we're saying, we're just stating facts. Man, AI I didn't get this type of heat from just playing the way he played. People championed, uh, and I was because I was a person like, yeah, he can play point guard a little bit more. Right or it make it nice. work. It didn't make, work yeah, for make, it, yeah. make it work with a Jerry Stackhouse. Mm-hmm. Right, like uh, you know, what? I can I can take five less shots and get you open and get guys involved. Ooh. But at the end of the Larry game, Hughes. Yeah, Larry Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, yeah, at yeah. the end of the game, I can get to do being AI or whatever, knowing that you could have your spots to to gun out, but get everybody going and, and mm. going out and allow the team because basically the 76ers finally had to fill it, figure out we just got to totally built this team around him instead of trying to kind of do it the old fashioned way and having two guards and not him even him and him being the quasi combo guard. So but my, again, my only point now everybody's like, man, Russ is doing like that. AI did the same thing and he's a legend. And I'm not saying but, he shouldn't be a legend. But AI at his size and what way he did it, and he was able to take a team on his back. To the NBA Finals, Russ has been able to do that. Well, they did MV- go to the finals. He's so. an MVP. No, no, no. I'm saying, but I know you said it was all on him. Yeah, it was all on. Also, AI. he was in a weak West. I mean, a weak, weak East, East too. Hey, I mean, you play when you play. Can't nah. you, help, can't, you can't help it when you came out your mama. Hey, I can't help it. LeBron got all them Finals appearances because he was in a weak ass East. Oh, that's hundred percent. I mean, also too, he was uh, with the the teams down in Miami. He's like super team. So yeah, yeah he so should went to four straight finals. Still, with them. the what yeah. the East teams in the East over the last fifteen years have had a very easy road to hoe. That's very true. I get or that so, one. or both. All right, hey, make sure you listen to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Music, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app. Also on Spotify at War. War on Anchor. There you go. YouTube as well. Simply search for the D and Davis Show and DNA is a flip. We are everywhere, everybody. So definitely check us out. And as Tony says, give us that five star rating. Share, like, comments. We want all that. Give us all that. You like it, you don't like it. Hey, we just want to see it. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at D and Davis Show. Once again, it's at D and Davis Show. Facebook.com forward slash D and Davis Show. Gmail is D and Davis Show at Gmail. Dot com. I'm on Twitter at Demons One. Ken's on Twitter at That's Davis. Ryan at Ryan B. Ski. Guy at Pay the Guy. Pay the Guy. Look, we want to thank Hub Arkish. Make sure you follow the score. Follow the score all the times, but follow them in particularly for Hub Thursday from six to ten, and then uh, Julian Arthur Arsh is going to pick it up as far as the covering the draft. And yes, the Bears don't have a pick, but this is still going to be great coverage. You know the type of work that the score does, so make sure you follow them. No, we shout out to Mitch. We want to thank uh, Michael Lee from the Athletic for joining us. We're definitely going to look forward to having him down in the future. Definitely a fun discussion. And uh, just look, make sure you check out Dan Davis the flip this weekend we're going to have guests on it's probably going to be pretty entertaining so uh, keep rocking with that and we'll be back giving you Dean Davis the show next week giving you the wrap up of the draft of the playoffs and what's taking place in the MLB as we start to shift to the MLB as the draft goes away and the uh, NBA starts to dwindle down to the championship game um, look if you don't hear from us again one that's terrible but the main point is don't do anything stupid before you hear from us again keep your hands to yourself <laughs>